the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Man, is it not a beautiful day out? It's 70 degrees right now, blue skies. It's just a beautiful day outside. Too bad it had to be wasted on a Monday, right? I tell you, just Mondays are just terrible days because you got to come off of the weekend. You walk back into everything that you left on your desk on Friday. And uh, if there was any small fires, you probably stamped on them and somewhere amongst the fire that you put out there was a hot ember somewhere i'm just saying this seems like it all starts up again today's about been a bad day, a bad day for me though went over and was with a bunch of the folks here at the station had lunch over at uh, cracker barrel in west little rock i had my blueberry muffin with some extra butter and a couple of cups of coffee so it's been a good day for me i'm not i'm not complaining to be honest all right, Carolyn Brown is with us today. She is running for re-election. Uh, House seat, uh, what was it, 14? 41. 40. Tell you what. I'm beginning to think that maybe I write dyslexia. Uh, I don't read it that way, but <laughs> I write it that way. Precinct 25, correct? Precinct 25 in North Little Rock. In North Little Rock. It's okay. my only North Little Rock precinct. Okay, so... We wanted to get all that. I want to get all this. Start again. Carolyn Brown is our uh, guest today. She's running for re-election. She's uh, House Seat 41, Precinct 25 in North Little Rock. All right? Keep that in mind as we uh, we do our talking. We're, she wants your vote again. She wants to uh, repeat uh, as going to the, the State House. I think she deserves your vote. I think she deserves to go back. She's done a good job. She's voted conservative. That's what uh, we ask for those folks to do for us, and that's what she does. So, Carolyn, tell us a little bit about, you know, are, are there things you're happy about that uh, the state Republican Party is doing, things that maybe they're not doing enough? Or instead of the state party, let's talk about in the House. Okay. The, are the Republicans adhering to what they promised to do? I think so, but can I correct one thing? Sure. District 41 has nine precincts. Okay. The only precinct in North Little Rock that is in District 41 is 25. 25, okay. The rest are in Sherwood. And then I have a portion of one precinct is in Jacksonville. Um, I believe the um, House Republicans are doing the very best we can to uh, pursue conservative objectives. However, sometimes we just can't get our bills passed. Uh, so we try it again later or, you know, um, ad- amend them and try. Uh, we have been able to pass the tax cuts. We were able to uh, – we did do an enhanced uh, carry license. Uh, didn't really want it to go that far, but it did, and uh, so that was the only way we could get it passed. Okay. Yeah, you had to, you had to reconfigure it, so to speak. Correct. Now, some pe- people have to understand – there, there's varying degrees of conservatism within the Republican Party. 
some people are like you, hardcore conservatives. <laughs> There's others that aren't like you, kind of lightweight conservatives. So you got to make sure what whatever bills are fashioned, they got to be able to make everybody happy or close to making everybody happy. Is that correct? Pretty much. Um, sometimes you just have to modify the bill to uh, to get the necessary votes. You don't want to do that, but um, in order to satisfy the people of Arkansas and at least approach something that they want, sometimes you just have to amend it. Okay, so you're going for your third two-year servants Correct. in the House. Correct. All right, so you've been in there four years. From the time that you wanted to be uh, a state representative to this time today, what are the things that you've learned along the way? What I've learned along the way? Um, I've learned that it's very difficult to get a highway funding bill. Um, and now I've learned that it's very hard to pass tort reform. These are two things that we desperately need, but um, we know that tort reform is now off the ballot, and we have not, we were not able to put the uh, the uh, ballot issue out to fund the highways. Okay, so let's stop right there on those two issues. Let's talk with, about tort reform. What do you think? Because it seems like most people want tort reform in the Republican side. What is stopping it then? Just my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, I am a technical writer, and so I am geared towards making things understandable. I had a very difficult time understanding the way that bill was written. Uh, I think it was confusing, and I think that, uh, you know, people were concerned that there was overreach. I went to experts, and I said, explain this. Tell me about it until I was convinced that it was okay. But um, I think we have to simplify it and take out the legalese and put it in layman's language so everybody can understand it and feel assured that we're not going to hurt people. So will you go knock on the door of, of, uh, of, of uh, Missy from uh, Stone County, who's a state senator, because she really pushed it hard in the last uh, session because she was on my show almost every day the last three weeks, uh, and say, I think you got to say this this way so people can understand that, you know, you're you're not saying that old people can just be left to die and things like that. I mean, that's kind of the way this was all presented to the, the voters. Well, it was presented um, in a very dishonest way, and I think uh, it's pretty much the uh, the trial lawyers did not want it to pass. It, it It's the way things are now. The people who are actually injured end up with very little. The tort, uh, the attorney ends up with his cut. Uh, this, it had this bill passed or had this issue passed, the people who are actually injured would have gotten or would have received at least two-thirds of the net, and the attorneys would have just received one-third. But... Uh, now, uh, the, the poor victim has to pay all the court costs, all the medical costs, all of that after what's left after they've paid their attorney, which I think is a real crime. Uh, people don't understand that that's what's going on. And um, maybe not all lawsuits turn out like that, but the big portion of them do. Is it important that the people who are for this particular piece of legislation and, 
And in this case, they want to make it a, you know, initiated act. They want to change the Constitution uh, to make things, get things done that they have to understand it. So when you guys sit down and you get the votes again, because I'm sure it's going to come back up during the next session. In January, I'll be talking about this again. Do you have to start talking about how are we going to present our arguments in such a way that the voter understands them? I think we have to. Uh, one of the areas of overreach that even some att- uh, uh, Republican attorneys were opposed to was the language about pleading practice and procedure, which um, from reading his- the historical perspective on that, it's not unusual for the legislature to make, uh, have something to do with pleadings, practice, and procedure. And it's not unusual for the legislature to be a counterbalance to the judiciary. Um, I am not an attorney. I am not a specialist in that area. So I think it's very, very important. If it's difficult for me, then it's going to be difficult for a, a lot of other people to understand and feel confident, and it's going to be easy for them to be misled. Well, you know, I we had the governor's spokesman, J.R. Davis, on a few weeks ago. We have him on every Thursday. But a few weeks ago, we were talking about this. The governor has said the balance of power here in the state seems to have uh, tilted towards the judiciary. They seem to have more power uh, than the other two branches at times. I think we've seen that some with these initiated acts and how much they can – just willy-nilly for whatever reason they think is important strike down you know initiated acts from the from the ballot uh and i think they saw this piece of legislation as a direct threat to their power do you think that was a problem i'm sure they did i'm sure they did um i was reading um a little history on this and this um the the legislature used to have more power and the judiciary a little less. And and so um, the legislature ceded some of that power in, I believe it was the 1970s, which has turned out to be a big mistake. And so the legislature is the voice of the voters. And, you know, we are elected to represent them. So if we see something wrong and we pass legislation to correct it, it's just uh, unconscionable to me that the judiciary repeatedly knocks things down. Do we do we think that this is going – you all are trying to bring some more power back to the legislature. I'm trying to think the the act. There was a specific act that gave them that power. But is this going to be an ongoing, you know, wrestling match between you and the judiciary? When I say you, I mean the, the House and the State Senate? Well, it probably will be. I mean, we, we really have to be able to represent the voters of Arkansas. We ha- we're, the vo- we're their voice, and they get angry when we don't do what they want us to do. But when we try, and then we get and we accomplish something, and then the judiciary knocks it back down, um, we have these unelected judges. Well, some of them, they are elected, but we have these judges that uh, that just – do away with what the people have chosen and we are the voice of the people and we we want to do our job well you know they it's it's a non-party election in other words it's not republicans against democrats or anything do you think we got to go back to that and and people who are running for the supreme court state you know i am a democrat i believe in that 
that platform. I'm a Republican. I believe in that platform. So you, at least you have a little bit of an idea of philosophy for uh, the judges. Well, I haven't read the uh, legal arguments for and against that, but we do need to know where people stand. Um, yeah, because if you ask them, you ask them about specific things, well, I can't talk about that. It might come up. Yeah, yeah. It's a we, nice out. Yeah, we need to know where people stand. We need to know if they are originalists or if they're progressives, if they think the document, the Constitution is a living document. Um, I, you know, I don't think the Bible's a living document. I think that the the Constitution is not a living document. I think it's very clear, and uh, and we can interpret it from it, the context in which it was written. All right, we got to get a break in. We uh, are talking to Carolyn Brown. She is running for reelection in the House seat forty one. Uh, most of you in uh, Sherwood will be voting uh, for her because I can't see why you would vote against her, Jacksonville. There's some of you will get a chance to vote for her. It's a good vote to throw her way, and also there in some of the precinct in uh, North Little Rock. Let's take a quick break. It's Dave Ellswick show. We'll come back, finish up our conversation in a moment, right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, coming back. If you're not watching this on uh, Facebook Live, Dave Ellswick show, then you just missed all the conversation during the break, which was pretty doggone good, I got to tell you. <laughs> and uh, give you another reason to, to vote for uh, Carolyn Brown, who's in the, the House seat 41 and running for re-election. Uh, so what differentiates you from your challenger? Well, I, even though I have not lived in Arkansas my entire life, I'm a lifelong Arkansan. Okay. I didn't just move here with Teach for America. Um, I, I've been here. I've, uh, I've lived in Sherwood alone for 33 years and graduated from high school in Jacksonville, attended UALR, um, received both my master's and my, well, not my bachelor's and my master's. I didn't, don't have stopped at masters but you know i've gotten my education here i love the state i've been all over the state i love the people um i'm very familiar with rural arkansas um and i've been here long enough to know what some of the issues are Mm -hmm. and i know that that i love arkansas and my father was in the air force but he was an arkansan and so we were always here at least at least once a year even when we lived far away and Having lived in other places and in a couple other countries, I know that Arkansans are just as smart and capable and talented and ambitious as people anywhere else in this world. And we have resources, and we have been mired in a Democrat government since uh, the Civil War, and it's time to peel back that onion and give the people of Arkansas an opportunity for growth Mm -hmm. and prosperity. I mean, we don't have to be a poor state. You you said something about Teachers America. I don't know some organization. Teach for America. Teach for America. Is this where our, your challenger is? That who he works for, or what? Well, that from what I understand, that was his initial introduction to Arkansas. He graduated from college from South Carolina uh, with a degree in political science, and um, I don't know what his minors were or anything like that, but. Uh, he came here, and he was teaching in the Delta. I need you to scoot up on the mic just a bit. There you go. He was teaching in the Delta, um, which was an admirable thing to do, and his students did quite well. But um, it's 
from reading their website uh, they the Teach for America website they come they disperse throughout the country in a teaching position not with the teaching credential but uh, they teach in whatever their specialty was maybe and um his students did well when he first came here, and then he was uh, hired to be the principal of uh, Baseline Elementary. And uh, it's public record that the uh, scores of his students plummeted, uh, I think, 27% on this last go-round of testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there was more money per pupil spent for that school than any other school in the state, and yet his students' scores plummeted. All right, so... How long has he been in Arkansas? I can't quite figure it out. I've seen estimates that he came here in 2010. He was Teacher of the Year in 2014 for the work he did in the Delta, which is admirable. But I can't quite figure it out. Okay. So it's under, sounds like to me it's under a decade. Correct. Okay. Do you feel that he's got a good feel for the issues that the state is facing? And there's a lot. There's several. Well, no, I don't. I mean, he came here to teach, and he's just strictly been in the in the school system in Arkansas. And um, my personal opinion, just my personal knee-jerk response, is that it's presumptuous to be someone who's lived in a state for such a short period of time and run for the Arkansas House of Representatives. Uh, but it, that aside, I mean, he's perfectly within his rights and complying with the law to run mm-hmm. but i just don't think he has a good grasp of arkansas or, or what arkansans are all about all right is this just a a feel and I, I i get this from a lot of folks that there's a lot of democrats that are running just because they want to run well that might be i know that uh, teach for america did uh, quite a few of the uh, republican opponents had a teach for america opponent even the governor has right that, that jared What's his name? Um, is running against the governor is uh, I understand a Teach for America principal. That's what a lot himself. of people say, Jarrett. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it's, that is that the subway dude? No, that's not the same. No, no, no not and the subway. He's in jail. He couldn't run. All right, just so you know. But yeah, bottom line is is that uh, I think it's going to be a good night next week. On uh, a week from tomorrow is election day. Early voting has begun. Has been going on for a while now. For a week, in fact. So uh, I've already voted. Do you think most of the voting is done early now? I don't know what the numbers are, but I know that the numbers in Sherwood have been phenomenal. Uh, much higher than in the past for early voting. I would personally want to vote early vote just so I wouldn't have to stand in line, but I early voted uh, the first day and had to stand in line for quite a while. I had to stand in line for almost 35 minutes in Cabot. Mm-hmm. That's kind of unheard of to be honest typically i just walk in show them my uh my driver's license get my ballot and go go vote yeah i was in the first group that got to vote but it took it took 25 minutes from the time i was handing my little sheet that i write my name on till i got up to where the computers process you and then from then on from then i went to vote but that took 25 minutes just for that all right. Can you stick around for a few minutes? I sure can. All right. We're going to take her into the second half hour here of the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now, we got to pause for the news. Let's catch up on what's happening in the world with uh, our Salem News folks. And then we'll be back. 
Hey, Karen Brown is our guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show. She is running for re-election, House Seat 41. If you're in, uh, Carolyn uh, is, uh, if you're in uh, Sherwood, if you're in part of Jacksonville or in parts of North Little Rock, she is your representative. And Carolyn is looking to uh, serve her third term serving you. She's done an admirable job in her first two uh you know, go rounds. How did you feel about that uh, that bill that they wanted for term limits? Were you for that, or were you against that? I was very opposed to that. Okay, I thought it was a vindictive. I, I what well, was very disappointing was it was conservatives who put it, who did it, mm-hmm. um, and I think it was done for vindictive reasons. Hey, phone number is eight two three zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five. If you got a question for carolyn feel free to give that number a call and you can ask your question now here on the dave ellswick show again a two three oh nine six five carolyn here we are getting ready to go into the month of november it doesn't seem possible to me but we're going into the month of november whether i think it's possible or not by the way a little aside don't forget to set your clocks back sunday night 2 a.m in the morning so uh, go to bed, set your alarm for 2 a.m., and then wake up, set it back. <laughs> yeah, because you don't. Bottom line, don't be early for church on Sunday because uh, you will be if you show up there what, the way you showed up this week. You'll be, the, you'll be there and nobody else will be there, and you think the rapture happened and you got left behind. But the bottom line is uh, you go see, uh, you know, get that set up. Don't forget, fall back this weekend. Uh Carolyn, is, is, we're in January going to have another general session. What are some of the major issues you all are going to have to wrestle with through this coming uh, session? Well, I know for sure we're going to be looking at um, <clears throat> government reorganization, reducing the number of uh, executive departments that the governor has to deal with. And, and that doesn't mean re- reducing the num um the actual services it just means reducing the number of department heads that so that he can in- interact with them more efficiently um we'll have that i know we're looking at another uh, tax cut we're going to have to address uh highway funding again we've got to try to do something um school safety i'm sure is going to be an issue Yeah, the whole. I guess you guys are going to be really looking at the budget hard after having the Senate had and the House have had all those hearings dealing with, you know, where we're going to cut and find the money here. Does it does it bother you? Because it kind of bothers me that uh, when we talk about uh, changing the budget, we take money from A to give. To give to to D to D, but then find a little bit of money somewhere else to give the money back to A, so they they don't have to cut their services down. Yeah, we know we call that uh, what is it? Revenue neutral. Is it time that the government of Arkansas start cutting back? I mean, just cutting back as a government entity. Well, uh, yes, and uh, there's a number of ways that we do that. We need to get more efficient. We need to take make better use of technology. We need to do um, across the board from not only the state but the counties and the cities. We need to work together somehow cooperatively and use uh, 
use um, our digital opportunities you better. Know, you know, up in Lone Oak, I live in Cabot, mm-hmm. and when you call 411, this happened when I had my near heart attack, and uh, I had a really bad angina, went in and ended up with quintuple bypass two years ago. But I called that number, and they answered the phone, and I said, I need an ambulance. Where's your address? Gave my answer. Oh, hold on. Your service by the county. Hold, please. And I'm sitting there feeling like somebody's driving a spike into my chest. They don't have a, 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 a... emergency phone number that addresses all Alono County together. And I've talked to people who have tried to work and get that done. you got these all these little fiefdoms that don't want to give up any kind of, of money to put it into the general pot to make, you know, if you if you got a fire or whatever, everybody gets the same message. It's just not the way it, it is. And it seems to me those are the kind of efficiencies that you would be talking about. Well, uh Definitely, we need to look at that. I wasn't aware that that was happening. I know that when I'm on the interstate and I dial 911 because we've got some crazy maniac out there running people off the road and driving on the shoulder and threatening everybody's lives, I'll dial 911 and I'll get maybe the Little Rock operator who has to transfer me to the you know state police. And so by the time you get to talk to somebody, that guy's down the road. Oh, yeah. He's out of it. You know, he's driving so fast that... You know, nobody's going to find him. Right. I, I agree. It just seems to me that there's a lot of things about putting some things together that would save money. But when you save that money, instead of taking the money coming that would still be coming in and addressing it to, quote, a new program or even an old program, there should be some way that you don't have the money going to any program. So that you can save money that way for uh, the citizens and and not build government, but reduce government. I hear what you're saying, and I I would like to work towards that. Um, There are so many needs right now, uh, and, and trying to fund all of them is a challenge. But certainly I will be keeping my eye on the ball with regard to that question you just raised. Okay. I appreciate you coming in today. Thank you. Thanks so much. We look forward to – I will be over at the Embassy Suites on uh, next Tuesday uh, for the uh, the party for the Republicans, the State Republican Party, Victory Party. Uh, we'll be doing my show from 2 o'clock in the afternoon until 10 p.m. on election night. So uh, you see us, you come by and visit with us. I will do that, and thanks for having me on your show, Dave. It's always a pleasure. All yeah. right. You're, you're, you're one of the good ones as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. All right. Thank you for coming in. Hey, don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage. As you know, I'm working with RD. I just uh, talked to the people about my 401K. I'm going to take a little bit of that money, and I'm getting the uh, uh, transmission replaced in, in my uh, SUV. So we're going to take care of that. But here's, here's the key. I called R.D. over at Sunny's. I told him what I needed. I I talked to him on a Tuesday as well. And uh, it took them four weeks, but they found a transmission. And I don't know whether it's going to be Wednesday or it's going to be Thursday, but they're going to take the car and they're going to uh, replace that transmission for me. I'll get a three-year parts and labor, unlimited mileage warranty, 
And uh, that means for three years, I don't have to worry about nothing about that transmission. Something goes wrong, they fix it absolutely free, completely take care of it. And anywhere in the United States, so I'm not worried about traveling. And I'll feel better about traveling now that I'll have what I think is the fix for my transmission. You can have the same thing happen for yours. I mean, if you're you got a car like mine where I'm almost at 300,000 miles, I don't want to put a brand new transmission in. I'm going to get probably less of a warranty on that than I'm going to get on one of Sonny's. So help yourself out. You're going to save 50% just on the part alone. Going to save some money on the uh, on on the labor as well and you get that great warranty that they have. 3 years parts and labor unlimited mileage at sunny's auto salvage your number one choice for recycled auto parts big parts small parts they get the part for your car 982-7451 that's 982-7451 coming up in our next hour folks from conduit for uh, action conduit news will be on with us brenda brendan joe last two hours of the show robert steinbach all that's coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, here on a Monday, it comes the uh, 3 o'clock hour. Join us, Brenda and Joe, from the uh, Conduit News site. And we're good to have them and glad to have them with us here on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Did you guys see the story at uh, Fox News? Let me start it off with this. Hillary Clinton insists, insists she doesn't want to run for the White House again, yet over the weekend... Virtually in the same breath, seemed to leave that door open, saying she'd still, quote, like to be president, unquote. You know, I'd like, you know, I'd like to be the pope, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. The latest wavering on the possibility of 2020 presidential bid, something she ruled out last year, poses fresh complications for the Democratic Party which is brimming with potential candidates looking to take on President Trump the moment the midterms are over and more than a few figures worried Clinton's presence hinders their ability to move on from 2016. What say you, Brenda and Joe? Hey, hey, well, I want to see, do we have a new audience, Ben, that we're on the air at three now? We got new people? We well, you got some new people. Sure, you got some new people listening, but... You know, they got a lot of the same people listening as well. But, you know, what do you think? I think that, um, uh, you know, people are dancing in the streets on the uh, Republican side. And I think the Democrats are, uh, you know, rolling in the ditch in pain. All I can say about that Hillary thing is I'm with her. (laughs) (laughs) Joe has also said that he would be president if we would just make him president and he did not have to run. So, you know, I understand where she's coming from. Well, I I just need an address because I want to send a contribution to Hillary's campaign if she commits to running. All right. Let me play. $75 or more. Yeah. Let me play something for you. This is cut nine, uh, uh, Russ. Here's exactly what she said. Well, I'd like to be president. Okay. Uh, I, I think, hopefully, when we have a Democrat in the Oval Office in January of 2021, there's going to be so much work to be done. I mean, we have confused everybody in the world, including ourselves. And we have confused our friends and our enemies. Right. They have no idea what the United States stands for, what we're likely to do, what we think is important. 
Uh, so the work would be work that I feel very well prepared for, having been in the Senate for eight years, having been a diplomat uh, in the State Department. And it's just going to be a lot of heavy lifting. So um, are you going to be yeah. doing any of that lifting? Do you feel like? Oh, I have no idea, Kara, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to even think about it until we get through this uh, November 6th. There you go. Not going to think about it. I'm going to talk about it, but I'm not thinking about it until we get through. November 6th. Yeah. Well, that had had rings of the Wizard of Oz in it. I I kept thinking (laughs) Wizard of Oz for some reason. You know, one thing I have been impressed by, I remember everybody, um, well, not, you know, those older will recall Ronald Reagan playing and joking about being, you know, people said he was too old to run for president. What was he, 72 when he was, um, you know, first served, and uh, the oldest president. I mean, this is impressive that this is what the average age of the candidates running for president. I mean, well, well, to me, it 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 rings scary because when someone like Hillary Clinton will say that there can be no civility when the other side is trying to destroy everything that we stand for and we believe in. Well, isn't that exactly what the other side is doing to everything we believe in? No, that's what they did after Bush was defeated. And and uh, at that time, Romney was defeated. They went in and just went in and dismantled everything they could. Well, and so how does how that answer? I mean, when you propose a deal with somebody, it, it always, I found, works best if you'll take either side of the deal. And... You know, if we're supposed to take that side of the deal, then we're acting uh, a little bit too compassionate then. Because if they're destroying everything we believe in, we should not be civil at all. That's the message. Yeah, absolutely. So how, how do you reconcile that that statement? Because what's good for the goose got to be good for the gander. Well, Go they ahead. know that uh, Republicans are built of different things. You know, you're you're going to cave into the pain point politics. Uh, that's been proven. You know, Republicans are not going to stand up to the emotional uh, argument unless you're Donald Trump, and that's why they push back so hard on him because those, that approach is not working. Yeah, I, I resemble that remark. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to say the least. I, looking beyond next Tuesday and looking towards 2020. I have no idea. I think that the Democrats might even beat us from uh, a couple of years back in the number of people who will throw their hat in the ring uh, for the, the, the running for president. I mean, look, Biden says that he's going to be in. Warren says she's going to be in. Camelia Harris says she's going to be in. Booker says he's going to be in. And we can go on and on. There's just... I'm sure 15 or 20 people out there that really want to get involved uh, in in the process. And we're going to have fun looking at who all they're putting up. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's a, there's a common theme that runs through all their candidates that the American people are going to have to decide what the role of government is and what kind of country they want to live in. And all of their candidates are going to be on one side, the more socialist government solutions, uh, you know, equality, fairness, all these things. If, if that's what they want the government to arbitrate in the future, 
you know, that is the decision, not the particular individual delivering the message, I think. I think that has to win the day. Well, if you look I at... I mentioned this to you, Dave. Go ahead. Uh, in a text earlier today, Mark Levin's program last night on Fox, Life, Liberty, and Levin, had Newt Gingrich, and he goes through the history of conservatism in the, in the country. And like I mentioned to Joe and a few people today, just looking at the list of presidents, we can see easily the Democrat presidents have, have moved us toward larger government in a big way. And uh, Republicans have, not that they haven't expanded government, but it's sort of been a pushback. And, and now this president is actually taking us to where we say we want to go, and it's put the left or the progressives into chaos. You know, they, they don't know how to handle it. But, you know, it, he made the comment that the Republicans would not, uh, conservatives would not stand up against a Republican president like the Bushes. And, uh, you know, they just let it, let it go. I'm, I'm thinking that the Democrats will stand up against Hillary or someone who will not take them to the extreme socialism that they seek. Well, Hillary will. Hillary will yeah, she'll deliver. Yeah, she'll deliver <laughs> if that's what it takes for her to uh, achieve power. You remember John Woods wanted to be senator. Well, that would be a lot easier to get away with what he got away with if he would have been senator. So if Hillary Clinton was president, then we can forget any of the past crimes that she's committed. As if we can't now. Yeah. But, but you know, that would solidify it that she will never be held accountable for the things she's done since she's been in Arkansas, the Rose Law Firm, all those things. Or even running for office would protect her because then she'd say it's just political. Right. So, you know, these people do what they have to do and say what they have to say to keep us all at odds with each other. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think that you all would have to agree with me that... Uh, where does our country stand right now? Uh, how far to the left towards a, a socialist governing system will they move? I mean, since the 40s, we've had Social Security. We have had Medicare. We've had Medicaid. We've had food stamps. We've had uh, programs to help pay your rent. You can go on and on. Have we reached a tipping point where so many people get a government check, and that's why they keep expanding these programs to take in more middle-class people, not because the middle class is disappearing, but because they want more middle-class people depending on a government check so that they'll be more likely to vote so that their check doesn't get cut. I mean, Joe, you and I, I'm sure, see eye to eye on this. You tell me where you think we're at. Well, it, it occurs to me when I see a mailer from a Republican uh, person running for House in Arkansas for re-election that, that claims as one of his virtues that he pro provided health care for 300,000 more Arkansans, that we are probably over center. I mean, we're, we're probably closer to the socialism. I see on Facebook, e even conservatives, they, they're, they're accepting the notion that health care is a right. You can't. You can't get rid of pre-existing conditions is, is, is the big argument now that I hear. 
uh, and Republicans agree. Well, why do they agree? And if they're agreeing now, the debate has moved not from liberal to conservative, but it's moved from progressive to either liberal Republican or conservative Republican. That's where the battle is. So at best, we can only get a fraction of a fraction to bear on bringing this country back. So it depends on the day, Dave, but most times I think we are probably going to end up in a socialist country until it implodes. And then after that, we'll see if the American spirit's still alive to get us out of it. I, I disagree with that. Um, I don't know if you want to hear my disagreement. Go right ahead. You want to hear a disagreement? Go ahead. It's the I mean, year of the woman. I see Arkansas, the way uh, the people voted. They voted for Trump, what, 64% or whatever it was. And Arkansas is a, is a taker state. We get more government benefits than we pay out. Mm-hmm. And that's what the uh, likes of the legislator that you reference here is talking about when he's promising, oh, look, I've, I brought in all this health care. He's also in a more socialist um, probably a 60% Democrat district, if I were to guess. And, you know, he's talking about Charlie Collins, obviously. And um, I would say that when you listen to our legislators in Little Rock, they want to argue the entire state, you know, is of that mindset, and we can't cut these benefits off. If that's the case, why did people vote the way they did? They understand who's, who's wanting to give you money and who's not. I would propose it's those who have the spigot in the pipeline of government dollars who are trying to convince us, oh, you know, this is for your benefit, bigger government is better. Yes, there are those who think so, but I hope that I'm correct and at least that number is only 40, maybe 45%, and we're still 60 or 55% who want our, our freedom more than we want free services. Now, where, I, where Brenda and I would differ, which I agree with everything she just said, other than the fact that we're talking about dividing up that 55% that, that want smaller government, those are the people that have to get their story straight. Because I've, I've talked to Senator Flippo a few times, and he's really good at articulating that. I, I don't know when the last time you had him on your show is, but it's worth uh, hearing Senator Flippo from Mountain Home. He talks about, well, what benefits do you 55% conservatives want to give up yourself? You know, what are you personally willing to give up from government benefits? And then it becomes a little bit more dicey. Then, then you don't have 55% anymore. You have something short of 50%, which is the problem. But that's never paired with pay uh, 20% less in taxes. Well, but there are... When it many, would be, it would be different. But That's right. But there are many people that you know, have Medicare or Medicaid even or disability or whatever that are conservative as the day is long in the rhetoric. But when it comes time to say your benefits have to be cut, you know, you don't get unemployment or you don't get this or that or the other thing, or the roads are not as good as they'd like them, then they're not quite on your 55% train anymore, which puts you below 50. Well, that's our problem. That's the argument of the, of the establishment or big government Republicans, and I think Trump is proof that they don't hold up to the majority. I mean, we'll find out Tuesday, I assume. Well, <laughs> we'll all be more enlightened. But I think we're already finding out in Arkansas that, you know, yeah, we like smaller government except for what we're getting. You know, we want better roads or more police or whatever they might want, 
but we want somebody else's cut, not ours. Well, I think that's the message from the people in charge of the message. Well, but that is the reality. If government spends less, somebody's going to have to do without something. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, Conduit News continues with us, Joe and Brenda. And uh, you all have a an article on ConduitNews.com. About, 90, about 92,000 votes were cast in early voting, first three days. Let's talk about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. Lots of big changes coming their way. They're, they're changing their first location at 12th Street in Little Rock. They're still working on that. It looks absolutely fantastic. Been there since the 80s. Now it's going to be a state-of-the-art facility, going to have, uh, you know, central heat and air, a big new waiting room, a gate room. It's going to have an area for the ladies so they can get their prosthetics if they've had breast surgery. Just amazing what this family business has done. And in the last five, six years, they have really roared and have really expanded. Horton's Orthotics and uh, Prosthetics. Their locations, Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy. And why? Because with Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics, it's providing a lifetime of support. Guys, uh, an article that came out today at Conduit News, conduitnews.com, talks about early voting. In fact, the votes cast in the first three days Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of last week. I voted on Wednesday, by the way. And I found this really interesting. Uh, in in the story, it says, let me read it right, 92,559 early votes were in by Wednesday evening, as reported by the Arkansas Secretary of State last year. Officials counted 76,282 votes for the same period of time. Now, are we talking last year or are we talking uh, 2016? 2016, the last election cycle. So this is when this is when Trump was running, and our voting is up by almost 20,000 votes in the same time period here in uh, midterms. That's pretty significant. What do you two think caused it? Well, one thing that didn't cause it is voter suppression. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I would say that, you know, like I said, we'll know on Tuesday, but the perfect storm with uh, the Kavanaugh hearings, people wanted to say you believe women, but I can't tell you how many friends who are not political Women came up to me just absolutely beside themselves and so angry over what was happening to Kavanaugh. They did not believe uh, Professor Ford. And, you know, I think that in, in, in caused them to want to go vote. But then you add the caravans to that, and uh, the, as we call it, foreign invasion. You know, the, the extremes are, are, are just so bright today. Uh, you know, nobody's trying to hide who they are on the progressive side anymore. You know, they, they think they've got enough following to take it over high center. I mean, you know, the mask has come off. So that, that energizes, I would assume, both sides. So I was uh, I voted last Wednesday. It took me about 40, 45 minutes in Cabot to vote 
early on a Wednesday. That is kind of unheard of, to be honest with you. And, I, you know, I keep my, uh, my ears open as I'm standing in line, and I heard those two things being talked about, about the people as they were getting in there to vote. One, Kavanaugh, but I'm going to tell you what, this whole thing about all the uh, migrants coming up through Mexico wanting to get across our our border really had everybody talking. And, and by the way, I don't know if you all heard today where the president had said 800 active duty military going to the border. They have upped that now to 5,200 to harden the southern border. Uh, I yeah, made them dollar for dollar, person for person, <laughs> quite a force. Yeah, well, it really is. I mean, you've really got to look at this. From from a personal standpoint, uh, somebody had uh, talked at work to me about that today, and they they were a little unsure of you know how how they felt about it, and I just said okay, how many people in that caravan would you allow to live in your house with you? You provide them school uh, school work, books, food, uh, and protection. All right, and- Joe. Joe, I need you to hold your thought. We'll pick it up when we come back from the news, which is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's find out what's happening around the world. All right, let's get back with our guests, Brenda and Joe from Conduit News. Don't forget, conduitnews.com. And we're talking about uh, an article or uh, yeah, an article that was on Conduit News today about that early voting right now has surpassed uh, voting early voting uh, uh, two years ago. By nearly 20,000 votes. And uh, one of the main topics I heard people talking about while I was standing in line to vote was the uh, group of migrants, uh, the uh, illegal immigrants that felt that they should be able to just walk across our border. Just a moment ago, the Department of Defense uh, announced not only 800 active duty, but another 5,200 active duty will be along our southern border. And, Joe, you were talking, and I had to interrupt you. Let me give it back to you and let you pick up your train of thought. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know how the conversation got to where it is today. Uh, What we've accepted as the terms of the debate just blow my mind that, that people are hurting in other countries and have have bad experiences and situations in other countries. So therefore, we must let them into our country to have a better life. Uh, I mean that we've conceded that ground for some reason. Uh, and if that's the argument, then we need about three billion people to come here. Uh, but what I would argue is, why aren't they making their own countries better? If they if they can't make their own country better. What makes us think that they're going to come here and make this country better, or are they going to make this country like that country? So, to, and there's a, you know, of course we've got to do our gratuitous "they're not all bad people" statement, and that's true. But that's not the argument. You know, the argument is either you have a country or you don't have a country. Either there are rules for entering it, or there are not. And if there are not, then we're done. If there are, let's use them to the benefit of this country and make them make America great and keep America great by allowing 
merit-based entry. If a company needs, you know, uh, an industry needs 30,000 people in this field, then they can put in a damn application. I, and I, then we pick those people. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with you. In, uh, reporter. He's, he's interviewing a guy standing there, and he said, you know, what's going on? Why do you want to – and the guy's answer, I need more money. Well, any, you know, if someone's coming to my house with their family flag saying they're going to come live in my house with me no matter what I say with their family colors, they better be wearing body armor. Yeah, well, here's – you know, I was – I was thinking at one time I was a registered libertarian, uh, and uh, that was during the time Harry Brown was running for office. You may remember Harry Brown, you guys. I don't know if you do or not. You used to have famous, famous statement that the government would break your legs and then show up uh, two months later with crutches. And uh, I, you know, and I agreed with a lot of the things he said. But I started reading their pl- their party platform. And uh, one, they're not pro-life. Uh, they're very much pro-choice. But number two, they don't believe in uh, borders. I, I, I saw that too. And and the bottom line is, if you don't believe in borders, you don't believe in your country. Well, you don't you, believe in per, uh, private property. Well, yeah, you can't have. You cannot have a country without borders. It's not possible. Well, it's the same like in your neighborhood. You know, you, you've, you've worked hard. You've bought a house, you made the payments, you like to keep your house neat, so do your neighbors, and then all of a sudden there's a bunch of tents on your lawn the next morning and the government says you can't do anything about it. Same thing. Well, we've been left sort of speechless. I mean, we, we had no reason to believe we would ever let people come and invade us and take over our property because we were a country with borders. And now to see these people march in and we're supposed to let them, we're all just like we were caught off guard and not ready. So whatever Trump does, which we know he's going to get blasted for it in the press, I mean, people have to understand this is what you do when you're invaded by a foreign per- foreign enemy. I mean, these are when somebody comes wanting to take your stuff against your will. That's what you call a foreign enemy. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. But there again is, what's the man supposed to do? The people that are promoting this the loudest are the people that will not be affected in any way, shape, or form by another hundred thousand or a hundred million people coming in. Yeah, will. will not affect their lives. Or well, it will positively affect them in some way of getting more stuff from other people. They're the elite controlling those who are voting like they want them to. These are coming in more votes is what we're shipping in. Well, there's two, there's two ways to look at it. One of them is, uh, of course, the business community saying, I can't find anybody to apply for a job, and I can't even keep the business I've got unless we bring people in. You know, we've got Marshallese and things that we brought in in the northwest Arkansas area, evidently, because... All the country folk that used to work in the chicken plants that I knew when I was, you know, in my early days, in my 30s, uh, you know, everybody that worked in the chicken plant was just, you know, normal country people. And now they're all from other countries because we're paying those other people not to work now. Now, here's the key. claiming low unemployment, but without touching on the labor participation rate in Arkansas. Joe, you can't. You can't. Over the last year. Uh, There's really less people employed than when this administration started, but they claim lowest unemployment in history. You know, when, when you go to you go to some of the big cities, like you go to L.A., you go to San Francisco, you go to Chicago, you go to New York, 
There's areas you can go to and you'll find undocumented illegal aliens standing. I think you probably find them here in Little Rock as well and up there in northwest Little Rock standing ready to take any work that they can get. My question is, why can't if that's the case, why can't we set up on our borders at at our official entry points a place where people can go and register that they want to work have the uh, your their talent registered and when the industry of america is looking for people because they you know, they can't find americans to do the job why can't they then say well we'll take all the, we'll take these people that want to come in we got places for them to stay We've got health insurance for them. I mean, look, Holland Bottom Farms does that in Cabot. For God's sakes, if they can do it, anybody can do it. You know what I'm saying? And and I don't see why we can't have a national database that our law, our companies and our businesses can't draw from. Well, kind of take, taking the opposite viewpoint, Dave, if, if I may, if we do that, what – what is to prevent those people from exploiting those people? I, I hire somebody. They're on the list. They're at the border waiting for my call. I call them, and they work for two months, and I say, these people don't know anything. This guy doesn't know anything. I don't want him anymore. And what happens to him then? He's The company is required at that point to pay for the travel and to take those people back to the other side of the border, period. Okay, let's say that's the case. Well, then what's to keep somebody from saying, okay, well, you can still work here, but you got to do half of your time off the clock, or I'm going to deport you. Well, that would be... I know that's the progressive position, but but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Well, possibility so is... System, I think once they're in, they're in. Possibility is, is one thing. Would it happen and happen with regularity is another. I think you can protect those people as well as again to protect them out at Holland Bottom. They can protect them at other. I remember talking to the folks at Holland Bottom, and they brought, brought the people in. They went through the government to do it. They supplied them with a place to live. They supplied them with... Uh, uh, good health care. The people did their work. They went home after the season was done. They'd be leaving about now from Holland Bottom Farms, and they made sure they went home. And those people knew they'd be called back the next year if they had done their job correctly. Well, that's, that's a good point. I mean, that can be done, but somebody has to administer that. And which government is capable of doing that? Well, it's only I think we're capable of doing it, and I think it would save us a hell of a lot of money. I think that, you know, we have laws that, that could handle this, or we certainly could pass laws if we had any a desire to. And I think Trump is the guy who showed up and says, hey, you know, this isn't hard. You know, this is what we do. And you see the, right. the hate he's gotten. Because well, of course. There's a lot of force in this country that does not want that fixed. Well, they just don't want accountability because they have a different agenda that they will not reveal. That's I agree right. with that as well. I mean, this is a fixable problem. Of course, it's going to take Congress to fix it. And if they lean left, uh, it ain't going to get fixed. Let's just face that. I think people who own businesses may be well willing to uh, use this methodology. I mean, that's what what's the the store the the prop the uh, computer program they got already that's ready to go in if they would just uh, put it into effect. 
uh, following people getting jobs here and, and checking the people that are working at these companies and things of that nature. I can't come up with it out of the right now out of out of my IBM, my itty bitty mind. But there's a pro, there's a program already to uh, to protect that. Yeah, E-Verify. Well, E-Verify, I'm telling you, it's like anything else. It sounds good, but my experience has been it's it's ridiculous. As long as you put in a good Social Security number, it doesn't cross-check with the person. Uh, I mean, if, if they got your Social Security number and the next 15 people that applied for work that I did E-Verify would all pass if they used your same number. So it's really, you know, another one of those Programs, checks, yeah, government that, program. Yeah, a government-operated thing that that sounds good, but doesn't actually do what it's supposed to do. Uh, assuming that they could fix that, you know, that would be a solution. But like like we've seen here in Arkansas, if the Republicans keep the House and the Senate, there's still no will for them to solve the problem because that is bad for their reelections. You know, the system is is broken. People don't inform themselves, and they don't vote, or they don't vote with any kind of knowledge. Well, I think that in that, in that argument, in light of that argument, then what's happening with the caravans is the best thing that can happen for the people who believe we need to fix the broken system for immigration in the United States. You just bring it to a head. Yeah. And, I mean, you asked initially to start this conversation, why are so many people showing up at the polls to vote early? And... We worked in a primary in uh, Pope County that's now having a, a election about the casinos, which is interesting to see the reaction. But people in that election, that primary race, were informed. And they either loved one side or the other, but they were informed for the most part on both sides. They knew, knew the issues, and they turned out in enormous numbers to vote. So people are getting to see this. It's in a way, when you see that long line of people crammed in that uh, bridge and you see 4,000 crossing coming this direction, people get it. I mean, it doesn't matter what the commentator says. Yeah, and they, they also the get there's another one coming. example last week on that is let's just change the geography. Now we're looking at Seattle instead of Texas. So Seattle, you see the Russian boats coming up with packed with people or the Chinese and they're coming up and they got their flags on their little boats and there's 10,000 of them and they're going to land and just come say, I'm a citizen here now and I'm going to get my benefits. Would everybody be okay with that? Well, I, I just asked a question last week. If somebody called you and said, I'm part of the caravan, we're going to leave when we get in the United States, we're, we're going to leave the big caravan, and we're coming to your house. There's six of us, and uh, we're going to move on in, and you can feed us. You can take care of us. You can clothe us. You can send our kids to school, and on and on and on. And I think most people would say, you come to my door, brother, thinking you're just going to walk in. It's going to be through me and my firearms. Well, that, that's true, uh, because if it doesn't affect you directly, you can feel however you want about an issue. But when it affects you directly, which a lot of people understand that it will affect them directly, whether it be you know, their city or their tax bill, then they're not for this stuff anymore. But it's the people that don't feel like they're going to be affected adversely in any way that are all for feeling good about helping you know, the, 
the blind cave fish and, you know, the environment and all this other, you know, nebulous stuff that makes them feel better about themselves and makes them feel morally superior. Uh, those are the people that are going to, you know, cry the loudest about how, how mean of a country we are. Well, I got you. War? Honduras is in a war. I mean, where's the war in South America that they're running from? I, Refugees. And those are the people who get into a country, right? Well, I remember reading about a country that was being oppressed and having illegal searches and, and all kinds of debauchery going on in the country, and they rose up, and they kicked those people out of their country. Wow, was that our country that did that? Huh, I can I kind of remember reading a little bit about that and being taught in high school about that, but they don't do that so often here in this country anymore. Well, that's what it takes to be a free people. Oh, I agree with wholeheartedly. We brought that up several times last week. Joe and Brenda, hang on. I got to get one last break in, then we'll come back and finish it up for this uh, particular Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me remind you that Aero Plumbing should be your plumbing uh, business. I've I've used them for 14 years. They've got the great 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you're not happy, with the service they've provided, they'll refund all your money. If the plumber smokes in your house or swears in your home, doesn't wear his little booties over his shoes, or maybe you find out he wasn't drug tested, you don't have to pay for the service either. If a repair fails in the first year, they'll repair it again at no charge. They've saved me thousands of dollars over the years because of the great work they've done. That's Aero Plumbing, aeroplumbing.net. Or just Google Arrow Plumbing. Well, there's no more produce to sell out at Holland Bottom Farms. They have sold out like a plague of locusts. We have picked them clean. That's a good thing because they got great food that they sell to you. Take right from the farm to your table, but no more food to sell. Uh, The season is over as far as produce goes. They do still have regular pumpkins, decorative pumpkins, some mums, corn stalk straw, for decorations but their last day will be wednesday unless they run out of everything before that day so uh, they want to say thanks to you you've made it a banner season and it's been absolutely fantastic they hope to see you again in the springtime which i know they're going to because at that point you can buy holland bottom strawberries and we know how good they are that's uh, holland bottom out on highway 321 in cabot All right, let's finish up with Joe and uh, with uh, Brenda here on the Dave Ellswick Show, conduitnews.com, their website. You should go there uh, at least, you know, every other day. Check out what articles that they're writing. you got a good one about early voting right now at the top that you should take a look at. gives me hope, to be honest. I don't think we're going to see the big blue wave everybody's been afraid of. In fact, I've been making the prediction, I think, the uh, Republicans will hold the House. I think we'll pick up four seats at least uh, in the Senate. So anyway, that's where we're at right now as the election approaches next uh, week. We will be live uh, Tuesday a week and we'll be at the Ember, uh, uh, where we're going to be at the Embassy Suites. And uh, we'll broadcast my regular show from two to six there. And then we'll pick it up at six o'clock for election coverage and go until 10 o'clock all right back with brenda back with joe we got uh, i got time for one of you to answer uh, the following uh, question 
So after the midterm elections are over next Tuesday, we got to all start gearing up for what's get, going to happen in January. And when the uh, the the new people and the old uh, incumbents all get back together again, what do you think happens? Do you, I guess the big question is, do you think that they're going to reformulate their attack for tort reform in the next election? What say you guys? I would predict they will. And I would think that the primary focus will be on how to change the tax code. You know, they'll uh, make some changes, and I would predict that at the end of the day, we'll have revenue generation. Joe, we got, I got 40 seconds. Go. I, I think the tort reform thing is needed. It has been needed for a long time. We would, we're going to work with some willing partners on trying to, to get some kind of a tort reform bill passed that's that's reasonable. It's not targeted for a specific industry. So well, hopefully we'll we'll do some some good on on getting real junk lawsuit reform uh, progress made, and we're willing to do that. Also, I agree with Brenda that they're going to look for more revenue, uh, but call it a tax cut. That's just the pattern. All right, I appreciate y'all. We will see you again by phone next Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I got to take a break, get you some news, uh, six minutes, five minutes of news, and then Robert Steinbach joins us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, moving into the uh, final couple hours of the Dave Ellswick Show today, Robert Steinbach is on his way. We're looking forward to him being with us today. So uh, he'll join up with us and... uh, have a lot of things I'm sure to to talk about here on the, the show today. So we're uh, we're looking uh, for uh, to him being here and uh, getting into discussion. I mean, we're look the big news breaking right now is that the uh, Pentagon has announced that 5,200 active duty troops are going to the border. 5,200 troops. Uh, The name of the uh, particular um, uh, event that's going to happen, they always give names to everything, is going to be, and let let me get the information on this, and I don't know why, I've suddenly been running into all kinds of garbage that I shouldn't be running into uh, as far as my phone is concerned, but I I am definitely running into that now. But uh, the name of what uh, they're going is going to be called Operation Faithful Patriot. Operation Faithful Patriot. Again, and, and Robert, you may not have heard this yet. The, the, uh, the federal government uh, the Pentagon has announced won't be 800 troops going to the border, 5,200. Good active duty troops. Good are heading to our government. If we can't, if we can't defend the border, border, right? If we can't defend a border, what does it mean to have a military, and what does it mean to have a nation? What does it mean to have a border? That's exactly <laughs> I mean, right. Serious. That's exactly right. I was just talking uh, recently uh, to um, a variety of folks, uh, immigrants, non-immigrants, and. Everybody that I spoke to, it's a small sampling, agrees with the same notion, and that is immigration is good. 
legal immigration. Yeah. Otherwise, you've, you've it's just got an to attack. be able to control, c- yeah. control it. Right. And, 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 and when people said Obama was an internationalist, and, and I agree with that description, uh, what I didn't realize at the time is that Obama and he, the people that support him are more than internationalists. They are non-nationalist, meaning they don't believe in any nation state. We're the United States only by accident, meaning it's it's a description of this amorphous landmass that doesn't really do anything. Can I ask you a question? I don't know so, if you have the answer for me or not. I, at one time, was a registered libertarian. Mm-hmm. All right. This was during the Harry Brown days. Mm-hmm. And I, I was more of a libertarian because of Harry Brown than anything else. Because mm-hmm. uh, Harry Brown was the guy who said, the government breaks your legs, and then a couple of weeks later, they show up and offer you crutches. Yeah, they're helping you out. Yeah, they're yeah. going to take and care like of Ronald you. Like Ronald Reagan said, be careful of those few words when the government says, we're here to help, help you. you. That's correct. Right. All right. So, but then I started paying more attention, and I read their party platform. Right. Number one, I've always been pro-life and found out that the Libertarian National Party is not right. pro-life. They're right. very pro-choice. Now, people may say, well, I know a Libertarian. He's really pro-life. I just said the national platform is that they are pro-choice. So, secondly, that's why I can never – I might be able to vote for one uh, in cases of running for a state office, but not – for any kind of national office. The second thing they have, they don't believe in borders. They do not believe in borders. I had a long discussion with someone who made mention to me that the founding fathers never said anything about borders, and I said they didn't think they had to. What's to say? Yeah, I mean, right? you got a nation. If you have a nation, it goes to to uh, that you're going to have borders, or right. you don't have a nation. and. They talked about citizenship. They talked about all of these indicators uh, uh, that distinguish people who belong to this country versus people who don't belong. And don't write your letters to me. Write them to Dave Ellswick because when I That's say – That's fine. Be- I, I know. I'm teasing. Yeah. I'm te- when I say belong, I don't mean morally belong. I mean legally. Yeah. Legally. There may be a great person living in Nicaragua. He doesn't belong to this country until he applies for citizenship and gets it and gets it. You know, or whatever leads up to it, you can get uh, resident status before then. What was it? Morton Friedman said he he made the statement that you have to have borders if you're going to have a welfare state. Yeah, Milton Friedman. Yes, Milton. That's, a, that's exactly Morton. right. Milton. Look, you can't give away money and then say to the world, "We're giving away money." These people that are marching up through Mexico, by the way. I'm not the first to to recognize this. Why aren't they stopping in Mexico? They're not Mexicans, no. right? The Guatemalans and other countries. This is an right. onslaught. This is right. an invasion. It's a, it's absolutely an invasion. Uh, I, I'll tell you about another guy I knew, um, uh, uh, a plumber by the name of Radu, here in the Little Rock area. Um, and this guy came here from Romania when Romania was a place you needed to get away from. But he says... You got to follow the law. When they were a Soviet satellite. <laughs> exactly. You got to follow the law. You can't just show up and break the law. Right? And so this is this notion that the left has now adopted that there's no such thing as borders. And oh, it's it's so sad all the poor things that are happening to these people. I let me be clear when I say that. 
I'm mocking the leftists that say that. Not because it's not true. It is sad what's happening to those people. Yeah. Right? What I'm mocking, and let me make clear, I'm mocking it. What I'm mocking is the leftists that seem to think that we can take on every sad sack from around the world, every charity case from around the world. These people are morally deserving of help. They just all can't get our help. No. It's that simple. Well, that simple. Help is one thing. Opening the doors of yeah. your home to right. them is another. Well, that's a good point, Dave. Meaning, I mean, how the, many people who are listening right now that are all for these people coming here would be willing to open their house up, didn't know the people, don't know what they stand for, exactly. don't know what they live for, to just move into your house. Right. Here's, here's the deal. And all, you're going to feed them. You're going to clothe them. You're going to put their kids in school. Exactly. You're going to give medical care. Are you willing to do that? If you're not, then keep them out of the United States. Well, it's a great point, Dave. All these leftists that we see on television, uh, the Nancy Pelosi types, all the way down, uh, who are saying, well, you got to have compassion. you got to let these people yeah, in. Yeah, they got Fine. walls around their homes. They, of course, they're a bunch of limousine liberals. Let them in your house. Open your doors. It's the same when it comes to raising taxes. Well, we got to raise the taxes on people like me, says, you know, uh, uh, the famous actors and, and other rich folks. Do you elect that box in which you get to pay more taxes? I bet you the answer to that question is no. So until you do, stop preaching what, what should happen to my money and do it with your money first. Right. Yeah, it's just – I don't see why this is such a, a, a hard subject. For people to get a hold of, That's Robert. Right. That's right. I don't get it. That's right. Are we? Have we, as a nation, become suicidal? I'm the son of immigrants, Dave, and you know it, and your audience knows it. I'm the son of immigrants. My father lived under Soviet and Nazi rule and then wound up living in the outskirts of the Soviet Union during World War II. My mother's family left Germany uh, after the rise of Hitler, but before the outbreak of World War II, and... Uh, they emigrated after both going to Israel, or both families going to Israel, to, to the United States. I'm the son of immigrants. So I, am I. Right? There you go. I support immigration. Not illegal immigration. No. I mean, this is uh, – I support people getting rich. Not by stealing, right? <laughs> I yeah. mean, just like the, the, the absurdity. And if you – God forbid, by the way, you say illegal alien. Oh, it's undocumented. Like they left the papers in the top drawer of their dresser <laughs> before the truth, they went it? out, right? Yeah. Oh, well, they just, you know, they don't have the documentation on them right now. Don't have the documentation on them because they don't have any documentation. That's right. Because they don't have the legal status. That they That's have to have from our nation That's right. to be here. That's exactly right. It's the, this, this legal status doesn't come from Guatemala. This legal status comes from the United States. Well, let's let them in, and then we'll make sure they show up at court. Yeah, there's right. 70,000 right. of them waiting to well, see a judge, and they won't even show up for the most part anyway. Right, and moreover, we know the numbers. The numbers that actually get asylum are de minimis, de minimis, tiny. Okay, thank you for saying that, because I was lost with you. There you go. I'm always <laughs> trying to help Dave, you know. It's good. You, you know, like you like Philip of, of the— uh, at the newspaper, you know, he always uses some big words oh, in right? all of his columns so that we'll learn something as we read him. There you go. <laughs> and that's the truth, by the way. So I just let you know, he said that on my show a few times. And Philip and I are, I won't say we're good friends, 
but we're good acquaintances. Good, we'll just put good. it that way. But Absolutely. that's ways. By the way, hey, Ross, can can you zero in on on uh, our illustrious Robert Steinbach? Oh, with the camera? Yeah, I want. I'm him not to, of the best appearance now. But I now. want you to. I want him to do it because yeah. I'm liking the 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 the, the, the beard. The beard. Well, as this, you know, this, Dave, and I think you mentioned on the show last week. Unfortunately, my mother passed yes, recently. Yes, I know she um, did, and so, it's our our condolences. I appreciate to you that. About I appreciate. It. I got a lot of nice words from a lot of folks uh, related to you to you and your show and your listeners, and I really appreciate every one of them. And look so, at him! Look at him dressing. He's yeah, dressing because yeah. well, I'm, I'm asking him, asking Russ to throw throw no, you up so people can see the they're beard. They're unrelated, actually, but nonetheless, yeah, I'll put a tie on. Are you no. going to become a rabbi? Uh, no, but <laughs> but, but when we uh, when we mourn uh, for thirty days, uh, Jews don't uh, shave after I passing. Now yeah. that see, yeah. I've learned something yeah. today. Yeah, I did yeah, not yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. So that's what you're. Uh, well, that's what you see. Did you just hear that, to Russ? You're, you're Jew, not paying a, attention, Russ. A Jewish Russ. person who has a, a parent or somebody close to them who dies, they don't they don't shave for thirty days. For thirty days. days, yeah. Usually only the men though, Russ. I'll just leave it on there for for me one more time. What now? You're gonna have to repeat that one more time because I'm if you're Jewish and you have someone with Granger trying to get a trying to get some information about a generator. Okay, here's the key. <laughs> if you're Jewish and somebody of your family dies, you don't shave for 30 days. He said men only, though. Yeah, well, that'd be weird for the... <laughs> well, no, it wouldn't be so weird for the women. They don't shave anyway. <laughs> well, their face. I bet you most of them shave their legs and their pits and stuff. Okay, oh, we're now, uh, we, I, think we go, I think we're going down a bad path. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just, you know, it wouldn't be good. Let's right. just put it that way. It wouldn't be right. good. But we are sorry to hear. What I appreciate happened. that. I really we had, seriously. We had a, a very good care at St. Vincent's. We had a very nice doctor, uh, Doctor Debaki. D- D- I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. Very nice uh, gentleman um, and good good care there. And I told you about the horror show that we had at UAMS. Yeah, uh, I would never go back to UAMS if I had uh, the gynecological cancer. I'd, I'd I'd sit out on the street before I go back to UAMS. And that Doctor Zorn that we had to deal with. What a nightmare. All right. What what. The things that we're talking about, the other huge story uh, from uh, this weekend was the shooting at the synagogue on Sabbat. That's right. And uh, for you who are listening that are Christian, that's like Sunday church service. Yeah, Sabbath. Okay? It means Sabbath. Yeah. That's, that's what it means. That's right? what's going on. Jews I, have the Sabbath on Saturday, but it's I, a Sabbath. And I want to talk to you about that, of but course. we got to take a break. Yeah, indeed. And uh, we've got the president on it, and I've got some other people talking about it as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach's here. He is a... Uh, uh, a law professor at uh, the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. Do not necessarily reflect those at the Bowen School of Law or UALR. Just get that out of the way. All right, so we had a, uh, a horrendous incident in Pittsburgh. We have a self-avowed Nazi who said that uh, Jews don't have a right to live, walk into a synagogue on Saturday, on Shabbat, on Sabbath for the for people who are the Jewish religion, and killed 11 people. Uh, and the president spoke out about it. And uh, let's play cut number one. I'm confused. 
it happens again and again to end this kind of violence? Well, it's a violence that's... Uh... You look at the violence all over the world. I mean, the world has violence. The world is a violent world. And uh, you think when you're over it, it just sort of goes away. But then it comes back in the form of a madman, a, uh, a wacko. I think one thing we should do is we should stiffen up our laws in terms of the death penalty. When people do this, they should get the death penalty. And they shouldn't have to wait years and years. Now the lawyers will get involved. And everybody's going to get involved, and we'll be 10 years down the line. And I think they should stiffen up laws, and I think they should very much bring the death penalty into vogue. Anybody that does a thing like this to innocent people that are in temple or in church, we had the, so many incidents with churches, uh, they should be... They should really suffer the ultimate price. They should pay the ultimate price. I felt that way for a long time. Some people disagree with me. I can't imagine why, but uh, this has to stop. Okay, and the president went on because, you know, there's people who immediately, and I'm saying immediately, like 30 seconds, as soon as they started reporting on this, said, well, this just goes to show that we've got to have stronger gun control laws and the president talked about that as well cut to the president do you think you need to revisit gun laws well again uh, this has little to do with it if you take a look if they had protection inside uh, the results would have been far better this is a dispute that will always exist i suspect but if they had some kind of a protection inside the temple, uh, maybe it could have been a very much different situation. They didn't. And he was able to, to do things that, unfortunately, he shouldn't have been able to do. I hear the police were outstanding. I heard the police did an incredible job. And as you know, uh, numerous police were badly injured. But uh, again, law enforcement did a fantastic job. But we're going to have a very complete statement for you we uh, with the results are coming in of what what took place how it took place uh again law enforcement was outstanding as always i mean as uh, as usual and as always law enforcement was really outstanding they stepped up to the plate but pittsburgh great community incredible people i spoke with the governor i spoke to the mayor and uh to see this happening again and again and again is just a shame there it is. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I agree with him on both uh, counts, to be honest with you. All right. Back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Here it is. We're on a Monday. We're a week and one day away from the midterms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had Brenda and Joe from uh, Conduit News on last hour. Mm-hmm. Article today in on their website. Early voting. First three days. 92,000 plus go back two years i mean now people were energized really energized Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh it was 60 60 70 70 hold on let me make sure i'm bringing up the the site it was six sixteen thousand less in that first three days Mm -hmm. with that that thought and I was asking Joe and Brenda why they thought the increase for midterms, because mm-hmm. typically right, you have a decrease. it goes down. That's right. And uh, 
they said Kavanaugh, basically. Well, I voted last Wednesday. Stood in line almost 45 minutes. Now, there's a couple things going on here in Cabot. You've got a mayoral contest as well. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people turning out for that. But I've never waited that long to vote. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting. So Dave Ellswick being Dave Ellswick, my ears are open. I'm listening to the people talking there. Right, right. Here's what they were saying. Mm-hmm. couple of Kavanaugh things. Right, right. What do you think was the number one thing they were talking about, Robert? Well, it depends who. If, if it's the Democrats, I think that they are reacting to Bush's, Bush's <laughs> Trump's election two years ago. Uh-huh. So it depends which side you're talking about. Kavanaugh, I think people on the right are saying, we've got to make sure that we continue to put Supreme Court justices. Everybody. Yeah. I'm not saying if I went in, everybody in the line uh, is I, talking. I'm just it, saying right. everybody that talked. Right. The invasion. Really? The caravan? Yeah. Caravan's a big deal. Huge. The caravan is think, a big deal. I don't think the Democrats understand. They don't understand. How big this is amongst voters. I mean, well, Democrats to them, it's as like, well. Well, of course, because to the to the elite limousine liberal Democrats, uh, they say, oh, yeah, bring them on in. They don't care. Those folks aren't showing up in their neighborhoods. They're not showing up taking their jobs. And to be clear, uh, I have no problem with the folks in the caravan. The problem I have is that they seem to think they dictate American immigration policy, not the other way around. And the leftists uh, throughout America – uh, seem to agree, agree with the with the imposition of law on us by foreigners. It's remarkable. It's really I, remarkable. I, I agree. They see it as a voting block. Of course they All do. All right. They, right. Because, and I'm, some people may get upset with what I'm going to say, is because African Americans are, are, are woke to the Democrats and what they're doing, mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. least – a much larger percentage than ever before. So mm-hmm. they need somebody to replace that loss that they mm-hmm. got going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really, I do, I really, really believe that. You know, I'm not a big Bill Maher fan because yeah. his his politics and my politics are 180 apart, right. basically. But he did have this to say over the weekend about how the media has been doing the caravan coverage and says you're doing Trump's bidding. Eight. Last thing we're talking about the media. You know, if the if the media is liberal, I gotta say they're doing Donald Trump's bidding, especially with this stupid caravan. (laughs) You know, it's a lie that this caravan is is a problem of that magnitude. Then why cover it so much on all your networks? You are doing Donald Trump's dirty work. Okay, now that's what they said. Now, one thing I don't agree with what he said. It's not that big of a deal. Yes, it is because. As we all know today, if you've been following the news about this, that there is another invasion forming to the south of this invasion that's coming up after this invasion is over with. And it will continue until we stop it. And so 5,200 military are coming to our border. If we can't defend our border, Dave, we send troops all over the world to defend other people's from attacks, from invasions. And here you get thousands of people who want to break through the American border. 
to ignore American immigration law and say to us, your laws don't matter. We tell you. We tell you the mm-hmm. laws that matter. You know, it's like remember that comedian Smirnoff, in oh, the, yeah. right in the eighties. You know, freedom. He, he always talking about freedom. Right. He's got a theater in Branson. Is that right? And but his old joke was he, he basically had one joke, and it was about the Soviet Union. You know, and it's what, what whatever it was, the Soviet Union did it to you. You know, yes. and that's what it seems to me with these folks that are coming from foreign countries. I don't blame them. I understand where they're coming from, but they don't get to say to, to us, hey, your immigration laws, we tell you. Yeah. No, no I'm sorry. We tell you yeah. what American immigration if, you laws know, are. I just, I'm amazed that whoever is behind this, because there is people behind this. They're the ones fronting the money mm-hmm. for this. Mm-hmm. You don't have people just sitting along the highway feeding people and, and giving people water and having everything you need for those people to continue. Yeah, it's a little suspicious. Yes, it's very suspicious. Of course, the Honduran president uh, called uh, Vice President Pence and told him uh, that uh, Venezuela was uh, behind it. Was behind it. But here's the key. Who who is their close friend that they would be a proxy for? Right. Iran. Mm Mm-hmm. That's who they'd be a proxy for, mm-hmm. and I believe it's Iran that's funding all of this. A lot of people say Soros. I mean, he may be putting some money into it, but I think Iran is putting. He's probably they're probably putting a few hundred million that you know uh, Barack Obama left on the tarmac. Tarmac uh, going and Iran, there yeah. in in, big, in Iran, big to, pile of cash. You know, all that money in in all kinds of denominations, all kinds of. Uh, countries and uh in gold bullion as well so bottom line being that um if we i think that if you find out that a country is putting that much money and to an invasion i don't know if that how far that is from not being an act of war well isn't it interesting of course the Russians tried to interfere with our election. There's no evidence to support that it made a difference in the outcome. And no. that's the right statement, by the way. That's the right balance. The Russians did try to interfere and they didn't uh, sort of uh, change the outcome. Uh, but here you have people trying to change the democracy, trying trying to change the demographics. Uh, and be they individuals, be it backed by foreign governments, I don't know. But why, where's the outrage is my question, Dave. Where's the outrage when the Russian government has the temerity, uh, I say with only – with slight uh, sarcasm, meaning it's uh, – uh, there's some sarcasm but some reality. The temerity to try to propagate their viewpoint through proxies in the United States, it's wrong. They shouldn't be doing it. But they're spreading language. They're spreading words, right? They're spreading speech after all. Uh, that's one thing, uh, but here you have people literally invading the country. Now, I'm not saying they're invading with pitchforks and rifles, but they're nonetheless invading the country, and there's no outrage by the left. It's such hypocrisy. You know, does it not bother you? It does me that they're walking across Honduras, Guatemala, across Mexico. They keep, they keep going through countries. Yeah. Like, you're somehow in, in in a bad way. You claim that you need asylum. You're fleeing persecution. And apparently the persecution 
that you're fleeing is international. It's multi-country persecution. It's in Mexico. It's in Guatemala. It's in Nicaragua. It's in all of these countries. And the only safe place in the world for these people who, who claim they want asylum is the United States. Or, or just maybe, Dave, just maybe they want to come to America because it's the greatest place to live and there's the most Absolutely. opportunity. I don't blame them for that. The problem for them is... They have no legal entitlement to that. That's point. correct. That's absolutely correct. And the thing that really irritates me is they walk with their country's flag right in front right. of their caravan. It's not an American flag. It's their country. You're not bringing your country to my country. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You're coming to be a productive member of my exactly. country. Exactly. Uh, or are they? Right. That's the That's question. That's the other question. Or are they? Of course it is. It's right. the other the other question. Exactly. I understand that, you know, your kids might have to have been in a, a mud school. I don't disagree with that. But if you want to change that, change it in your country. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, there was this country I know of that we're having a lot of the same problems you are. And uh, there was a government that was giving them all kinds of grief and taxing them. You know, unconscionable, and they were putting troops up in their houses and all kinds yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've heard and of that. And then those people finally got tired of it, and they went to war with them. Yeah, exactly. With that government. Exactly. Gosh, I know there's some of you that might be, you know, younger than 30 that don't realize I'm talking about the United States. Of but course. that's who I'm talking about. Of course. That's what happened here. Of course. We said we had enough, and... We got rid of them. Well, that's what you have to do. That's right. You got to get rid of them and put the put in a government that represents your idea of what freedom is. Or if you don't believe in freedom, what some kind of dictatorship that you want. Well, that's what the kind of like Venezuela just. Well, did that's again. what the, that's what the left seems to want, right? Because they they like elections until they lose. Right, oh, you, yeah. right. You, you remember? Ask Hillary. Right, exactly. Hillary says, "Oh, I can't believe that Donald Trump hasn't affirmatively said that he would confirm, accept, accept. Thank you. The results of the election, and then she lost. And and guess what? First of all, that night she was too distraught. Right. This is what's going to be the yeah. leader of the. She literally makes the television commercial and says, "At three a.m., who you're going to count on? Well, it was three a.m. and you just lost the election, Hillary. Where were you?" Sleeping on your pillow at the Ritz Carlton. That's where you were. Crying your yeah, eyes. Yeah, out. crying your face in, in your pillow in the Ritz Carlton. So enough. Enough. Shut up. Uh, on top of that, let me just play something for you. Let's make, do it. Make you feel good. Mm. Let's play cut number nine again uh, for Robert. Here you go, Robert. I, well, I'd like to be president. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, because, look. I, I think, hopefully, when we have a Democrat in the Oval Office in January of 2021, there's going to be so much work to be done. I mean, we have confused everybody in the world, including ourselves. And we have confused our friends and our enemies. Right. They have no idea what the United States stands for, what we're likely to do, what we think is important. 
so the work would be work that I feel very well prepared for, having been in the Senate for eight years, having been a diplomat uh, in the State Department. And it's just going to be a lot of heavy lifting. So um, are you going to be yeah. doing any of that lifting? Do you feel like? Oh, I have no idea, Kara, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to even think about it until we get through this oh uh, November 6th. I want you to listen to what she just said. It's, it's she embarrassing. Says, I got all of this to offer to the next president of the United States. I'd like to be president, but right, if right. I can't, I got all of this that I can do for the next president of the United States. So I'm really, I'm, I'm right now saying I want a job on the next cabinet. And then they say to her, well, what would you like to do? Oh, I can't talk about that. Yeah. I don't know what I, I would don't know. do. Yeah, a vice president, maybe. Yeah. President, maybe. Interesting, huh? Good. Let her run. Let her, let's have a repeat of 2016. Yeah, I want her back up for the uh, for for the debates. I, oh yeah, I really I want to see how the younger Democrats would treat her. Right. Well, on stage, the, this, we're, we're, we got 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, right. just remember her comments on abortion. She she literally stood up there and handed it to Donald Trump and said, "Well, basically unfettered abortion." Donald Trump said, "See." Yeah. See? Do I have to say more? Right? She believes in killing children. See? Bottom line. All right. We got to get to our news. Top of the hour. We'll be back. Robert's with us for another hour. It's always fun to have him here. 823-0965 if you'd like to get in on the conversation. All right. News is coming up top of the hour. If you want a career working outdoors, serving uh, uh, folks using your hands, and you like working outside, you thrive in the outdoors, I don't care if you're a man or a woman. Bottom line is, you can make a difference in uh, climbing your ladder to success with PI Roofing. PI Roofing Home Solutions expanding their operations department to better serve their customers as they grow, and you can go build your future with them. PI Roofing Home Solution has uh, career opportunities in their commercial roofing and service division, residential roofing and service division, and their home solutions division. Make up to $20 an hour. That's right. With PI Roofing. Apply at PI Roofing at PIRoofing.com or call them 501-707-3551. That's right. Up to $20 an hour. That's 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 pretty good. That's above, uh, you know, minimum wage. Even yeah. if they pass that stupid law, it will still be above minimum wage i you know robert i can't tell you how absolutely ridiculous and how irritated i get by this whole the general populace gets to vote on how much somebody has to pay from their personally owned business to somebody who works for them that should be determined between the worker and the man who owns. And they go, well, he would only pay him $4 an hour if he could find people to work for $4 an hour. And if somebody agrees to it, what skin off of your nose is it? Well, I I think the even bigger problem uh, when people say, well, just 
pay him $10, just pay him $15, is they don't understand even basic economics. I've had people tell me on Twitter and elsewhere, they say, oh, well, there's no harm, there's no foul, so I pay a little bit more for a burger, but then all the workers make more money. And, and I kept telling them, listen, I don't have a position on minimum wage. I'm not for minimum wage. I'm not against minimum wage. Here's what happens with minimum I'm wage. I'm against it only because the government shouldn't be able to tell anybody what they got to pay somebody. And I understand. But I'm just trying to explain the simple economics of it. If you raise a minimum wage above a market wage, and that's the only time it's relevant, right, then what happens is some people get paid more. And some people lose their jobs. And then they, oh, there was a study in New Jersey and a bunch of economists wrote a letter saying yada, yada, yada. Uh, wrong. Just The New Jersey study was just garbage. It, was, it doesn't say what they claim it says. It didn't do the study correctly. That a bunch of economists say wrote a letter or didn't write a letter I, could care, I couldn't care less about. The fact is you raise wages above the market clearing price. Some people lose their jobs and some people get a pay raise. So who's it good for? The people who still have their jobs. Who's it bad for? People lose their jobs. So you decide. Who are you helping? So what are they going to do when the economy takes a downturn? Because right. it always does. Of course. And then suddenly these businesses are going to start letting people go left and right because right. they can't afford can't a afford. high minimum wage. Right. Are you going to pass a law that says that the business can pay a lower minimum wage? Or look at it this way. I say to the folks uh, pushing the, the increasing minimum wage, I say, if you think $15 an hour is so good, why not $75 an hour? Meaning if you want – so the answer I get is almost always, well, $15 an hour or so gets you to the poverty line, right above the poverty line. And my response is, why are you only willing to help people right above the poverty line? Get them into the middle class. Give them 50 bucks an hour. What's the problem with that? And they're forced – to make the concession that as you raise wages, there's a cost in terms of employment. People lose their jobs. Otherwise, you'd pick a higher number. Sure. If there's no downside, why would you just try to force people just above poverty? That's not particularly generous. If I could just continually print money and give it away and it would be worth something, I'd give away millions, not thousands. Well, so, that's the way right? most people think. Right. I, I swear to God, my dad... If I had him on here, right. I'd ask him about that. He says, well, I guess the government's just supposed to walk out the back door and pluck all that money off the money trees. Right, right, exactly, exactly. There's no, it's really basic economics. Anybody who's taken an economics class in college understands this basic interaction. Yeah, it's in, I, right, and, but but yet you have these. I don't know how many people really understand well, what you just said. Uh, it's unfortunate. It's All right, unfortunate. let's get a break, yes, in, and then we'll come back and talk some more. Robert's with us the whole next hour. You yes, can sir. join the conversation eight two three zero nine six five. Back in a few moments. All right, let's move into the final hour. Robert Steinbach is here. Disclaimer: He is a law professor at Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. And do not necessarily reflect that of uh, the Bowen School of Law or UALR. But they love that he comes on this show because they love the uh, you know the free advertising. They well, get. and they retweet <laughs> retweet it sometimes. I know, yeah, no, all no, the they, time they, they retweet. Yeah. They retweet. No, they're supportive. Not retreat. Not retreat. Uh, right. They retweet. retweet. Exactly. Have Say to that get six it out times right. Fast. Yeah. I, you know, there's certain words I have problems with now that I have dentures. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not easy. Right. And, and uh, my tongue gets stuck on the back of my denture sometimes, right. not because they're sticky or something, but because they they can only go so far back where they hit your gag reflex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
and I figure you don't want to hear me throwing up on the air. Probably so that, not. That's, Probably that's not. good. We'll take a pass. You you wrote an op-ed. Talk about that's it. That's right. That's right. Well, you know I'm on this commission uh, regarding the Freedom of Information Act uh, set up by the legislature and the governor last session to advise the legislature on Freedom of Information Act bills. They're, bills already, they're already working on them. Oh, they're working on I can yeah. I can see the... The, the smoke coming out of yeah. their ears. It, it, it's like the tower when the when they elect a new pope, you know. <laughs> and so, w- our first order of business was to go over all the bills that were proposed in the last session that didn't pass to see if any of them should be brought back up. And one of the ones that we talked about was the one that you and I have talked a lot about on your show. Mm-hmm. And that was the one to really put a big gaping hole in our Freedom of Information Act uh, that would have allowed government attorneys to uh, shield a whole bunch of information and therefore a bunch of government bureaucrats the same simply by copying a, a bunch of government attorneys uh, uh, from disclosure to Arkansas citizens, uh, including the Arkansas press. And so we were having our meeting and the meetings are open and we invite public comment. And, and guess what? Sure enough, the University of Arkansas shows up, the, the representatives of the University of Arkansas system show up to uh, plead for this bill to be reintroduced this session, mm-hmm. even though it it, it it crashed and burned in the end in last session when people realized how absolutely awful it was. And so a couple of interesting things. One thing, they come in and they said, actually, we wrote the first version of the bill. They quite openly, I mean, I would be embarrassed to say, but they no, no, we, we wrote it and we didn't write it for all government agencies. It was just a special exception for us. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't what you? What a big surprise. Right? Wouldn't you have a little bit of shame to go before a public body and say, we wrote a law. We're, we're public employees. And we're here, by the way, on our public time, being paid to be here. And we wrote a law that would have made our jobs easier and only our jobs, not even everybody yeah, else's. Right. And then they go, but other people wanted to jump on. So we let them. We let them. And then um, this bill uh, basically would make them do less work. One of the government bureaucrats says, well, when I was in private practice, I wasn't aware that government attorneys had to turn over all these records. But now that I'm in government practice, I wish it was like I was in private practice. Well, goody for you. I wish my mother still packed my lunch. That's what I wrote in the op-ed, by the way. Yes, I, I read, read it. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, I, I'm glad. But, you know, they're, they're making 200000 roughly $200,000 a year with, hey, their clients always there. They don't have to go out and get clients. Their clients don't ever stiff them. Uh, they go to court. You know that if you sue the University of Arkansas or any other government entity in court for money, you can't get money from the court. The, the, the sovereign immunity says you can't get money. So... They're worried that they're being disadvantaged. You cannot get a dime from the University of Arkansas in trial court in Arkansas. Do they have to give you a few free semester hours? Yeah, maybe a few free. Right. So (laughs) they don't have to give you a dime in court, but they're saying, well, it's really unfair that we've got to turn over these public records to the public so that the public can see what we're doing with our $200,000 salary. Really? Really? Then another one of the government bureaucrats started to lecture the group, including me, on what the law allows and doesn't allow. And I told her, wait, 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 excuse me, 
excuse me, this little bit book right here that you're holding. I me. wrote it. Right, I wrote it. <laughs> Mine's the third name down. Yeah. The book called The Arkansas Freedom of Information Act. Mine's the third name on that book. What did she say? Right? And she goes, oh, no, I know, I know. I said, you're wrong about the law. You're stating it incorrectly. And what did she say? She said, "It's a. I guess we have a difference of opinion. And here, here's a, here's a difference of opinion. Mine's right. Yours is wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? Plain and simple. This is a, the typical kind of cop-out. Uh, instead of saying, oh, thank you for teaching me. I realize you're a law professor. You know, there are tens of thousands of laws in this country i'm an expert on one of them and that's the one she chose to challenge me yeah i wrote a book on one law one law and that's the one she says she's right and i'm wrong and you turn around and every year or so you're always in there about what they're trying to do to change that's right that one that's right they're they're always trying to there's somebody who wants their piece of the action as i said in the op-ed could you imagine some worker from the department of motor vehicles coming down to the legislature and saying hey can i get more breaks and you know then a legislature says legislator says are you working right now oh yeah I'm on the dime right now. I'd like more breaks. Could you imagine the ridicule that government worker would get? Especially if it was Mr. Jett who was the chairman. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So this is – but this is what happened. They showed up on the government time, on public dime, to say, give us less work. Because, oh, it's such a hardship for us to go to court where we never have to pay you money. By the way, you know what the University of Arkansas was doing? They were telling their employees that they had a right to sue for money for whistleblower law at the same time that they were in the Supreme Court saying no such right exists. They said both. They told their employees they had one right, and they told the Supreme Court the opposite. So uh, talk about hardship. If if it was any easier for those government attorneys, they wouldn't even have to show up for work. It'd be like one of those uh, one of those organized crime union jobs. Let me ask you a question, if you Robert. Yes, sir. You look at our legislators, especially the ones who are Republican, mm-hmm. and they run like scared little rabbits when the universities, you know, stand against them. Because they're afraid you're going to lose votes. Question. How many votes do you think you're getting in the first place? Here's my question. Didn't happen to Charlie Collins. Charlie Collins wrote the fantastic campus carry bill. I will support Charlie Collins in, in every position he runs for because he stood by his word. He said, I'm going to bring about campus carry. And while there are many members of the campus communities such as myself who agree with charlie the administrators didn't agree no they opposed him and guess what charlie got reelected. so let me ask right. another question because this is important for everybody it was just was it last week last tuesday maybe monday court case came down mm-hmm. uh appellate court mm-hmm. said that arkansas is a constitutional carry state mm-hmm it gets rid of you got to have a of a license to concealed carry mm-hmm. well why, why to, isn't everybody not reporting on this it, it's a good question i'm not i haven't even read the case but remember though that's open carry so you have a choice yeah uh, uh, open carry you have to carry openly concealed carry you you have to carry concealed so right. they're two separate 
regimes in terms of carrying. But look, the Attorney General has said this on numerous occasions in opinions that she's published. She said the Constitution requires at least um, open carry uh, uh, and um, uh, concealed carry regimes. Yeah. So it looks to me, and and I'll get the uh, the the verbiage for you, and the next week we can talk about it specifically. Yeah. But it sounded like to me that the appellate court said that in the state of Arkansas, you do not need a license to do either. I would, I'd have to read it. I would doubt that they would say that about concealed. I suspect, but I haven't read it, that they said it about, if they said anything, they said it about open carry. But let's take a look. Yeah, yeah. I'm really yeah. interested because yeah. bottom line, it seems, see, I should call, I could call the Act 746 people, probably yeah. get one of them on to give us a read it specifically yeah. on that. But the bottom line is, it, it, that was a big day for gun owners in, our, in Arkansas. I haven't seen a big article about it in the paper. I haven't even seen the Arkansas Times really talk about it. And you think that they would be yeah. wanting to slit their wrists about that, you know, Max and all of them. And uh, I haven't seen uh, 411, you know, or uh, 7 or 16, any of them really talking about this at all. Do they think that if they keep it quiet, nobody will know? The, the funny part, and we've talked about this many times, is how neglected for so many years the Second Amendment, and of course the state version thereof, uh, has been. It's been absolutely, absolutely ignored. And finally, in the last less than a decade, people are starting to pay attention to the Second Amendment in a way that produces outcomes. Right? Yes. Conservatives have talked about it for many years. But with the Heller decision and then the subsequent decision, I forget the name of it, that, that applied to the Going states. To Chicago. Uh, thank you. Uh, th- th- now, the Second Amendment means what it says, and we're starting to see implementation thereof. Now, if we can only get one and four, get, <laughs> get really get into both of those and make them mean what they say. Yeah. Yeah, We'd yeah. be a much better nation, to be honest. That's right. All right. You have been very outspoken. In fact, sent me an article about this, and we'll talk about this when we come back. i got to get a break in. Sure. But, Robert, the media and how they've attacked Trump so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, after this guy was arrested for mailing these bombs, yeah. all of which – did not work right a guy who lives in florida and i'm not a big conspiracist but there's so much in this that just doesn't ring true to me guy who's lived in florida most of his life and misspelled the name florida on every one of the packages and 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 just go on i mean guy was a stripper uh, and all kinds of stuff but none of the bombs even worked the fbi said well we want everybody to understand these were meant to work it just didn't work and Mm -hmm. i'm saying well then the guy wasn't smart enough to make a bomb 16 something rings weird about it to me when we come back though the media basically said it was the president's fault that's right well, the Washington Post said Trump supporter. Yeah. But they didn't say Bernie supporter when that crackpot. got Right, exactly. Got yeah, and somebody really got shot. That's right. There. He That's was right. firing real bullets. That's All right. right. Let's uh, take a break. We'll come back. I'll let you hear what Molly Hemingway had to say about the media uh, being out there talking about discourse. 
This is the pot calling the kettle black. All right, let's get back with Robert Steinbach. And Robert, why don't you lead us into this next segment about the media attacking the president and using the bomber, yeah, this yeah, bomber, exactly. as a methodology and even this guy, you know, um, that, well, they're not really talking about the synagogue. Not quite shooter. as much. They're not. They're not. They're, they're saying, "Well, Trump's well, he was rhetoric." A, yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? I agree. You go ahead and, but, and yeah, talk about they, it. They even they said on the Sunday morning shows there was a Washington Post article that said Trump supporter sends bombs. How about Kroger shopper sends bombs? I mean, you can make all sorts of links. Sure. Uh, so it's and as I said just before we went to break here, uh, when that nutcase. Uh, shot Scalise and others and he was a Bernie supporter and that was in the articles and that's okay that's context didn't lead with it right it wasn't the title it didn't say Bernie supporter because it didn't try to lay it at Bernie's feet right and uh, you know there were probably a handful of people on the right that did try to lay it at Bernie's feet and I I said from day one that's not appropriate it's not Bernie's fault crazy is crazy crazy is crazy Right. And so this guy's crazy and happens to be a, a Trump supporter who's crazy doesn't make it Trump's fault. Right. So it's just but the media notice the difference. Right. The media is all over linking him to Trump when they were almost bending over backwards to to say there was an affiliation between the shooter of Scalise and Bernie. But to, to do it in such a way to say, but we're not blaming Bernie. That's the difference you see in today's mm-hmm. media. The media is looking to present that linkage. A narrative. They're absolutely. Yeah, they want they want a narrative. And Molly Hemingway uh, talked about that. And here's what she had to say. Mm-hmm. Cut 13. Absolutely true that everyone needs to improve their rhetoric from President Trump on down. He is known for insulting people and his uh, you know negative discussion of the press. What's unfortunate is the media are the, are very poorly situated right now to talk about improved discourse. They've spent much of the last two years openly talking about you know having people on there on air who talk about him as a traitor who should be impeached. You know the the punishment for treason is actually capital punishment or that's a, that's one of the things you can do. This is incredibly uncivil rhetoric and it's been going on near daily for a year and a half. There you go. Yeah, and look, uh, Trump has appropriately uh, uh, criticized the press when the press has on more than one occasion made false statements regarding him. I do not agree with the president's statement when he says the press is the enemy of the people. That is a type of blanket statement that I simply don't subscribe to. But when he points out things that are not correct by the press, I do believe that it is fair to criticize that and to call that at that part of the press fake news. And I've told you this before. I read the New York Times. I continue to read the New York Times. and He it, sends me news articles yeah. from the New York Times and pollutes. It pollutes his email. My, uh, exactly. my email. And I guarantee you, <laughs> I can see a dramatic shift in, in their headlines, in the bent of their articles. The language in the article is far more antagonistic towards this president than it has been towards any president. And remember, I'm talking about news articles, not editorials, not so-called news analyses. The news articles have a distinct bent against the president. That's just the case. I still read it, but let's not kid ourselves. So in this context, then they say, well, the president criticized the press. Good for him. Don't call. I don't agree with calling them the enemy of the people because I don't think they are. Just some of them. Yeah, but I don't have to agree with the president (laughs) on everything 
to agree with him on many things, right? Yeah. You know, and you heard, by the way, can I go back when you earlier played Hillary? And Hillary said, well, people around the world don't know what we stand for. You know, here's the interesting thing. When you were in the State Department, your boss and you were all about telling uh, the populace during the election that you're going to move the embassy in Israel to the capital of Israel, after all, Jerusalem. But, of course, then your boss wins election, and you and and your duplicitous boss change your mind. This guy, President Trump, said, we're going to move the embassy. Just like your boss said, just like your husband said, just like it's been said for years. And Bush upon said. Years. Bush said, it doesn't matter, Republican or Democrat, right? And guess what? He did it. So... To say that foreign governments don't know what we're doing uh, in the context of of the duplicity of your administrations, of the Bush administration on this issue, and here the president did exactly what he said he was going to do, I think the foreign governments know exactly what this president's going to do, what he tells them he's going to do. Yeah. Just like Reagan used to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... You it's, know... Bend over. We might send a cruise missile up your anal canal. Well, it's just, it's too much with the, uh, they have all of these kind of wishy-washy language. Well, it's okay if we lie when we lie because we need to extract something from Israel, our friend. No, you don't extract anything from a friend. If you want to move your capital, uh, your embassy to their capital, move your darn embassy to their capital. You want to negotiate something with your friend? Negotiate something with your friend. You don't extract something from a friend. All right. We've got the news coming your way. We'll give you 60 seconds of what's happening around the world. Might hear a little bit more about that 5,200 troops going to our south border. We can talk more about that here on the Dave Ellswick Show with Robert Steinbach. With Robert Steinbach. My buddies over at Applied Research want to remind you they still have and have even added clinical research studies exploring the safety and effectiveness of an investigational drug in a lot of different uh, cases, diabetes, uh, atopic dermatitis, asthma, low testosterone, other things like that. If you'd like to know how you qualify to be a participant in some of these stories, uh, sto- uh, studies, because you can make some money off of this. I mean, uh, if you're accepted, you do what they ask you to do. You get like a, a debit card, and they add money to that as you go along. And it's it's pretty significant if you check it out. You can make some uh, make some money off of it. And the way I look at it, it's better than giving blood. Okay, I just said when I was in college, just so you know. Anyway, go to arcarkansas.com. Arcarkansas. Uh, dot com five zero one nine five four seventy eight twenty two is the number. They have all the studies that are available. Uh, as you click on those studies, there's a pull down menu to tell you what you need to do to qualify to be a participant, and you just fill out the information. And if you get accepted, you're into the study. All the uh, medicines and and tests and all of that are absolutely free, no charge to you at all. ARCArkansas.com. dot com or 501-954-7822. Now, when we left, we were talking about how the media has uh, tried to tie the bomber into the president and has always tried to tie him into anything, saying this civil discourse 
uh, is so terrible. He just drives people to do illegal yeah. things. Right. All right. It's That's just, what he does. It, it, it's such absurdity, right? And and, and the flip side, and we talked about this a little during the break. Uh, the flip side is the media was all over people like Merkel. Uh, from Germany, the Prime Minister of Germany. Who because, had announced today she will not seek re-election. Yeah. Because she knows she'll lose. Right. And so it shows you this disparity between the press's adoration for her liberal behavior. She's actually fairly conservative, but she was very liberal on immigration. And guess what the Germans said? They And they said, look, it's not that we're against immigration, but you're really opening up these doors real fast. And you know what happened? They have a rape problem they have all in sorts Germany. of problems. Huge, they have all sorts of problems, problems now. Uh, and so that's what happens. Politicians need to learn that their high-minded ideals being imposed on the citizenry, right? Because she lives in the equivalent of the White House. She's got a, uh, a driver and armed guards all the time. She doesn't have to worry about anything. So she lets in all these immigrants and people living in Germany uh, are saying, wait, wait a second, you... you you got to slow it down a little bit. And now she can't run for election because she'll lose. That's the only reason. She lost the election effectively. That's why she's not running again. That's right. And that's what's happening all across this world, which is the citizens uh, of these democracies are saying to the politicians, we don't need a preacher in chief. Obama was a preacher in chief. We don't need a preacher in chief. We need, I need an employee. When I hire a president, I Rob Steinbuck, I Dave Ellswick, I Dave Ellswick's listeners hire as a president. He's my employee. Yeah. He's supposed to do what I tell him to do within reason, right? I mean, I give him a general charge, go run the country. You, we all do. So go do what we want you to do. I don't need you to come in and then tell me what I should be doing. You remember Jimmy Carter got elected and then he started telling people, well, there's too much malaise in this country. I didn't hire you to be my preacher. Go do your darn job. And then he put on his Mr. Roger sweater. Exactly, exactly. And that's the same thing that Obama did. That's the same thing, even though she's generally a conservative, Merkel did in Germany. Uh, I said years ago, I was speaking to someone who was a German citizen, and I said, listen, I'm not German. You guys do whatever you want. Uh, I'm not, I don't live in Germany. I'm not a German citizen. Uh, I have German heritage, incidentally, but it, regardless. However. Right, right, right. <laughs> you guys do whatever you want. But I'm, and this is years ago. I said, uh, she is going to lose popularity and Germany is going to have problems if they continue to do what she seems to be doing at the very onset in terms of this u- huge immigration influx. Sure enough, fast forward. Look what's happened. She's out of office. She's lost. And there's all sorts of problems in Germany, and there's all sorts of unrest from the citizenry who are upset at what has happened. And she's unleashed uh, neo-Nazi groups, basically. Right, because you get the reaction as well. Now, I don't blame her for them. The same way I don't blame Trump for these crackpot behaviors, but – there's there are events that lead to other events, and you start opening up the gates uh, of immigration, uh, basically with that unfettered, and then you're going to have a lot of problems in the country. You have uh, crime, uh, and you have it. You, you have you can't assimilate too large a group at any one no, time. No, absolutely simple. not. It's that, it's that simple. Well, we know that. And that's why these seven. 10K, 14K, whatever the number is, that things that they're just going to walk across our border and into our country, it's not going to happen. My parents each spoke several languages, several in common, 
um, in addition to English. They only spoke to us in English. Now, in retrospect, I wish they actually spoke to us in two languages so I could have learned another language better. But the reason they only spoke to us in English, and they perhaps, like I say, should have spoken to us primarily in English, but the point is the same, is that we are Americans. They were Americans. They passed. They are Americans. And they said, you learn the language of your home country. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they understood what it was to be an American as immigrants. Correct. Plain and simple. The Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, talked about the media today, Mm -hmm. and here's what he had to say. Cut number 12. Do you think there's not much talk about bipartisanship in the the coverage? I don't think it sells for you guys, for the media. Uh, You take a look at the bills we passed out of the House, about a 1,000 bills. It's been one of the most productive sessions of Congress in a generation. And of those roughly 1,000 bills, uh, over 80% of them are bipartisan bills. So we've tackled opioids. We've tackled human trafficking. We've rebuilt the military. All of those are bipartisan, but they don't get reported. It, It doesn't sell. So I honestly think, John, it's the hits and the clicks and it's the ratings chase that's on display in America today that says when they're fighting each other, that's when you cover it. There you go. Very insight. That's really yes. insightful. He right. he cut through a whole lot of BS right there. That's right. It's all about eyeballs. That's right. Well, there's a similar thing, you know, you hear, oh, the Supreme Court is so divided, five to four, four to five, depending on what the, what the case is. Do you know it's some huge number, and I can't remember offhand, 70, 80, 90 percent of the cases are decided by either all the justices or nearly all the justices? Yes, the big controversial ones split down the middle, five to four, because there's nine, so it can't be four and a half, four and a half, right? <laughs> uh, but but the vast majority Don't of cases— Don't tell Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Exactly. She's, she's kind of half, right, it. in terms of stature, yeah. right? Um, but uh, the, the vast majority of cases are decided by the whole court together. So it's an, it's enough. I think the the um, speaker's point is, is largely right, which is the press— Covers the controversy, not the non-controversy. All right, we got to get a break. Final break in. Vice President Pence had a a word of warning to the people trying to come up. Do we still have that uh, from last week, uh, Russ, or have we lost it? Okay. Yeah. Can you can you take if you get a little bit of time? Could, could you pull it down before we come back? <laughs> I'm begging you, buddy. I'm begging you. I'll 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 buy you. A piece of cake from BJ's or whatever. All right, we're coming back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach is with us. Remember, his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily that of the Bowen School of Law or UALR. All right, Robert Steinbach with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Two great hours with him, as usual, on a Monday. And uh, he told me that uh, here shortly, the Bowen School of Law will be out uh, for Christmas vacation and if I wanted to take any time off, he'd be happy to fill in. Happy to do it. Oh, yeah, sure. well, we're going to use you, man. You don't offer me that. And uh, No, it's it's genuine. It's genuine. <laughs> Absolutely, it's genuine. I'm happy How to do it. How many years now have we been doing oh, time on the radio? It's got to be at least five years, yeah, right? Yeah, it's been a while yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. You're just really good at breaking a lot of stuff down. Right. I'm going to send you that uh, appellate court decision yeah, on concealed carry. and we'll uh, talk about it next week. Carry. Absolutely. All right, so the the vice president was out talking about the caravan last week. We played this for you last week, but uh, Robert didn't get to hear it. And many of you may not have gotten to hear it. So let's play it again just so you'll know where the vice president stands about this. As President Trump said earlier this week, it is nothing short of an assault on our country. 
And, and he said today, and I say myself, to those in the caravan, turn around. We are not going to allow you to enter our country illegally. All right, and to back that up today, the uh, Pentagon announced, because last Friday it was 800 Nine, troops that 5, had been sent. Now, 5,200. That's right. Active do at, active. This is not guard guys. All right, we've had guard people. We've had twenty five hundred National Guard people on the border since Bush. Mm-hmm. None of them carrying loaded weapons, <laughs> mind you. None of them. That will not be the case mm-hmm. with these fifty two hundred. Now a lot of them are going to be Jags and things of that nature sure. to offer. Sure. You know, uh, judicial opinions and things of that nature. But there's going to be a lot of people there, and and I'd like to see them fix bayonets, to be honest with you. Because if you watched some of the stuff that went down when these people broke through in Mexico. It's remarkable, isn't it? It's, it's remarkable. We're, we're, we're talking a, a, people with, right. you know, wearing the Antifa, right. you know, uh, hoods and all that, throwing rocks, throwing you know, the only thing they didn't throw is Molotov cocktail. Well, it's remarkable that you get a group of uh, f- five or ten thousand people uh, marching across um, the, the southern part of the, uh, uh, well, below our country, but I guess the, the middle part of the hemisphere, yeah. and no one can stop them. Yeah, it's no pretty, one it's, can stop them. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Of course, they can be stopped. Right. Right. Of course they can Well, be we're going to stop them at the border. That's the point. That's yeah. what the vice president That's said. Exactly if, if, if these other folks ain't going to stop them coming up to the border, we're going to stop them from going through and, the border. You know, this is going to cause problems, of course, in Mexico. Because sure. whether they want them in their country or not, they've allowed them to come in. Yeah, if you don't want them in your country, you keep them out of your country, but don't send them on our yeah, country. Yeah, because now we're going to stop them. No, and, and then guess they're going to right. going to be on your, your side. side of the border. That's exactly right. And. I don't know if you saw, there was a small article, I believe it was on Friday, Mm -hmm. maybe Thursday, and the UN announced that they're sending all of the necessary preparations for a tent city. Mm -hmm. As long as in Mexico, fine by me. Yeah, I'm with it as well. Well, I mean, you're going to see on the other side of the border what you see in the Middle East. Right, right. With right. these, uh, you know, displaced people. That's right. These That's people right. have displaced themselves, themselves on their own. That's right. That's right. And I just want to see how long, you know, the Mexican government is going to allow it. That's right. That's right. It's it's incredible. Because yeah, they used to let them just pass on through. It yeah. used to be like a toll booth. Just come on through. And now the United States has made it clear we're not playing that game anymore. I wonder if, if we're going to place if we'll place some of the gunboats uh, on on the Rio Grande. Yeah. I, I I don't know, but the, of course. The, Have you seen those? Uh, as a general matter, but I don't know. Thirty cows on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, we uh, we saw a lot of them uh, when we went to Tampa for the Republican yeah, National right? Convention. They yeah. had them all over the harbor wow. out there. So if they put several of those up, I will predict that there might be some shooting with this. Could be. Could you be. know? And I will tell you also if you want to see if they're trying to bring that to happen, right. They will definitely, let me just tell you, the people who are behind this, they don't care if kids die or women die. They're going to put them up front. Right, right, right. That's what's going to happen. Look, the bottom line is the border must be secure. 
That's the bottom line. Yes, There's no is. debate. There's no discussion. The border must be secure. And if you're a politician and you don't support that policy, get out of – start packing your boxes because the American citizens are not going to put up with it. The same way the citizens in Germany didn't put up with it. She's a conservative, Merkel, and they booted her out of office because they, they've been saying all along, hey, slow down. You know, we're not hearing. We hear about all these politicians and what they say. I'm not seeing a whole lot of coverage. I don't know. Maybe you have, Robert, of the people in New Mexico, the people in Arizona, yeah. the people on the border in Texas, the right. people in Southern California, right. where evidently they're heading to, through Tijuana and right. up to the border there, right. uh, south of uh, San Diego. What are they saying about this? Are they yeah, wanting these people just to allow them to come over? Is Are they feeling that way? I'm yeah. sure that. Raza and some of the other groups might be doing that. Sure. I'm just thinking the average Joe are saying, not only no way, but hell no way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it just it cannot be part of the rational discourse to say to heck with our immigration system. Uh, let people crash the gate, and whoever comes in comes in. And of course, you're rewarding those who crash the gate, not those who line up. So the perversity, the long-term problems that are derived from that perverse outcome are tragic and can never be undone. We have to put a stop to it and put a stop to it now. Yeah. Let me also share one more thing uh, with our listeners. When you look at the number of border border patrol people and ICE people that we have, in the city of New York City, we have over 32,000. Cops. Police officers. Right. That's down from 44,000, right. by the way. That's right. Uh, if our government was really, really, and this is this falls on on uh, the uh, the Congress, all right, not the president. This falls on the Congress. Congress is the person that puts up the money and everything. Uh, we have 10,000 Border Patrol and ICE agents, mm-hmm. 10,000 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to protect our whole border. Mm-hmm. You got. 32,000 police officers to protect one city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That should bring things into very, very hardcore clarity. And and remember, there are many on the left who quite openly say abolish ICE. That's the other thing. Now, then you see some Democrats backing away from that. But there are plenty of leftists running for office saying abolish ICE. Uh, Those are the people that are bringing down the Democratic Party, by the way. And hey... I don't more power to them. Right, exactly, exactly. They're they're telling the truth. When you hear the other Democrats sort of waffling on that issue, maybe some of them truly are waffling, mm-hmm. but some of them just don't want to disclose their true intentions. I agree open with borders. that as well. So you have to be able but to decide. The decipher. way they've been bending to the left, that's I right. wouldn't trust them on anything. That's right. That's, that's right. why I have been saying consistently, you must vote. Well, those claims are as reliable as Elizabeth Warren's claims of Cherokee heritage, right? Yes. So, yeah, yeah. Pocahontas. Well, it's just remarkable. Pocahontas. She 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 was listed apparently uh, at Harvard as as a minority hire. This is the other hypocrisy, right? You know, and they only do that if you claim it. Yeah. Well, these limousine liberal leftists uh, who are white. 
um, uh, to A, take advantage of the very programs that they claim are designed for minorities. And then B, I can't tell you how often I've heard people say, well, we've got to hold open that next spot for such and such and so and so. Let's say in this case, a minority. Mm-hmm. My response is, hey, white guy. And by the way, I have no problems with white guys, but it's a white guy saying it, a white leftist, right, saying we got to hold that spot open for a leftist. My response is, hey, why don't we just give him your spot? That's right. right. Why are you so willing to give away the next guy's spot, be it a a spot that would be filled by a white guy or or a minority? People that see no problem with people coming across the border until some people would be put in their home. That's right. Exactly. They don't want them put in their homes and they're not willing to give up their spots, but they're willing to say, hey, in law schools, uh, we've got to eliminate some spots and hold them open for minorities. Hey, give up your spot. Here's an idea. Give up your privilege spot. All right. Robert Steinbach back with us next Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm done for today. Power panel tomorrow. Jan will be back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.